Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. happening Mike Schmidt 40 year old boy podcast you know as I speak to you this afternoon as I talk into a microphone uh, there's a tragedy unfolding unspooling if you will on the other side of the well, the continent certainly not the world but on the other side of this country right now uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are in danger of missing the playoffs and and they're fumbling the bag in a way it's it the, I didn't think they could be more painful this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2011 right so this year they went all in they paid a bunch of big fucking hammers to come in and swing bats and, uh, and I thought they'd win a lot of games like 11 to 5, 11 to 10, that kind of thing, because they have no, no defense. They have a couple of great pitchers, a questionable bullpen, and then, they, uh, and then the big hammers, right? So here we are at the end of the season. Uh, and after having lost Bryce Harper, MV3, baseball Jesus himself, they lost him for like seven weeks because he got hit by a pitch and broke his fucking thumb. Uh, and it was infuriating, but yet they rallied. They rally behind a bunch of guys. They called up from the minor leagues and stuff, and they got it done. They were scrappy. They dug deep, and, and when he came back, they were in the playoffs. They were a playoff team. And then they have fallen off a fucking cliff. I, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And here's the deal. Like I said, they sent a bunch of big bats, but now they can't hit. As, as the season is fizzling away, they've now lost four in a row, and they're in the process of losing their fifth. They're going to get swept by the Cubs at Wrigley Field. What the fuck is that? You know who the Cubs are fielding? A bunch of guys I knew in high school. It's not even, they're not even fucking trying at this point. They've got eight minor leaguers that they think have some promise, and then a bunch of dudes, it's it's like major league in reverse. Remember when they brought in a bunch of shitty people and then they won? The Cubs, they just went ahead and brought in a bunch of great people, then sold them off, and now they're just this fucking barren franchise that people are wandering through like a yard without a fence. But fucking unbelievably, they're killing the Phillies. And the Phils are just, it's, I don't know what to do. And it's this thing where, look, I'm 55 years old. I'm an old man, all right? You can hear it in my voice. Can you hear it creak? Doesn't it just sound like a short sleeve button shirt? That's how my voice sounds. And uh, and I shouldn't care about sports anymore because I've been, look, man, I've been lucky enough to see all of my franchises win. And I've also dealt with the pain of watching my franchises get fucking curb stomped for fucking years, right? But it's a fun investment. And, uh, and whether it's fantasy sports or regular sports, I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not a psychopath who, you know, throws a fucking thing through the window or you ever see those guys who punch their TV or anything that shit. Uh, I, I don't do that anymore. When I was a kid, certainly I cried when the Phillies would lose or whatever. I, this is not even a joke. When I was a kid, I would pray to Jesus himself 
the Lord above, if he's up there, if you believe in such things, there's a God and a Jesus and a bunch of other dudes with beards. And I would pray, hey, please make sure the Raiders win. <laughs> I, all of my teams. Like, I, I could actually... I won't bore you with it, but I had a I had a recital like I would talk. There was this opening preamble uh, to my prayers, and then I would have a discussion with the Lord. Uh, but and that's you know again, this is when I was a youngster. So I mean that was then, and this is now. As the monkeys will tell you, well they won't tell you that now because there's only three three of them are up there with the beards, guys. Uh, there's only one monkey left, and how sad is this? This monkey is still touring. This is completely true. I saw, I went and saw Mike Nesmith and the and Mickey Dolans doing their monkeys thing. And uh, Mike Nesmith was a, a shambling husk. It was it was it was it was alarming. I'm not gonna lie. I was like Jesus Christ because I had a seat that had a vantage point to uh, off stage the wings, and they would ha- there were handlers who would bring Mike Nesmith up to the edge of the curtain and stand there with him until it was time for him to go, and then they'd shove him to go toward the stage. Like I mean, he was that dude looked like Biden, fucking wandering around in the mist. So I, and I remember I went with you know Pat and I went, but Pat and I sat separately because he was this, he was with his friend David, and we. Uh, Afterwards, I went. I go, dude. That was rough. And then I, I had a different seat than them, so I could tell them what I saw. They're like, "Oh Jesus, yeah." Because there was one point where he was just rambling, and he wouldn't stop rambling, and people kind of applauded, like, "Hey, you're done rambling now." And he kept rambling. And then Mickey came out, and he's like, "Oh, right, Mike. Here we go. Uh, that was then." Da da da. When, remember when you had a stocking cap with a little a tuft ball on top, and now you don't even know your own name? That's fun, isn't it? Uh, so they did their thing, and then I'm, I'm not joking. Two weeks later, Mike Nesmith died. He was gone. And and so I feel I'm happy that I was able to capture those moments where I was there because I had never seen the monkeys. And the reason I bought a ticket to this show was they had said, this is it, man. No more monkey shows after this show. We're done. This is our farewell deal. And I think it's because they knew Mike was uh, was having issues. So they were like, this is our last tour. Yay. So they packed up Mike in a crate <laughs> and dragged him onto a box, uh, a box uh, uh, dolly, and they dragged him onto a, a truck. And then they went from city to city, and Mickey was very happy with his sister in the band. And, you know, it was a Mickey show, and Mike was there. But they called it the Monkees, and they did a bunch of Monkey songs, and, and it was fine. I was thrilled. But then they had said it was the last show ever, and then there was some postponement in Louisville. So I'm not even kidding. A week before the L.A. show, they're like, hey, Louisville, we've rescheduled the date. And I'm like, you fucking assholes. You can't, for your legacy, you won't. You were going to close it at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, where it all started for you guys. That was the whole deal. This is your legacy. You're closing it here. But for one more cash grab for one one more payday of what couldn't be any more than I don't know 50 grand each that you do not need although maybe they do I don't know Mickey Dolans who knows what he's done with his fucking cash circus boy out there blowing it on whores and tigers uh, and Mike Nesmith his family they were they were all lined up with their hands out I'm sure because they realized this was it so they announced that that was happening I'm like this is even the fucking last show you dicks but then the aforementioned Jesus himself, God and the bearded dude, stepped in and went, you know what? Mike Schmidt bought this ticket for a fucking reason, man. And I refuse to let the Louisville show go forward. Goodbye, Mike. And hello, Mike. And then Mike went up to heaven where he and Frank Zappa are having a long chat because Mike Nesmith loved him. And I think Frank Zappa liked Mike, but I don't know if they became friends, true friends. Uh, Mike Nesmith also was more than the monkeys. He was that guy. Mike Nesmith actually walked off the monkeys for a while. And then they, they were like, well, we'll just do shows without Mike. And maybe the kids won't notice or whatever the fuck. There's one show specifically. It's on like a pirate ship. And it's just Davey and Peter and Mickey with no Mike. And you're like, what the fuck? Is Mike in the brig? Like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Uh, even as a kid, you realize Mike was gone. But look, man, commerce never stops. 
And if the, if the guy with the stocking hat and the monkey says, hey, man, I got some demands. You go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to see, we're going to Johnny Bravo the shit out of you and see if the hat fits somebody else. But first, we'll film some shows without you. How do you like that? Uh, but now, so now Mike Nesmith is gone. He's gone up, uh, as I've mentioned, to the giant stage in the sky, leaving Mickey Dolenz, who had promised us all that that final show at the Greek was the final show until the rescheduled Louisville show, which wound up getting canceled because the Lord above stole Mike Nesmith away and his meal ticket went to heaven. So Mickey Dolenz was out of luck, right? Wrong, friends. Oh, so wrong, because Mickey Dolenz himself went, you know what, man? I mean, monkey schmunkies. This is the Mickey show, man. And so he is back on the road as uh, I think I think he's back on the road as Mickey salutes the monkeys, uh, which which brings up all sorts of military connotations that I had never once thought of. I mean, the monkeys came up during Vietnam and one of their things was they had a staunch anti-war stance. Uh, but now, if, if it's if it's a salute to the monkeys, then that means that they're in some sort of capacity where I have to consider them my betters. If I were in the military, are they going to make me do push-ups? I mean, look, there, there can be no tougher drill sergeant out there than Peter Tork, as he sings anti-Griselda in your face while you try to do, flex, you do the flexed arm hang. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, so Mickey's out there. So if, you, if you're going to go see him, why not, right? Spend the money. Go see him warble into the fucking dark. Unbelievably, I can't. I don't know why it's happening. What are you doing, Mickey? Fucking take a break. I know these dudes. And again, like I've said before, I, I know I'm at odds with myself. I'm at loggerheads with myself, if you will, because I've often said, look, if you're a rock star, why the fuck would you ever retire? If anyone's willing to pay a dollar to fucking see you, you do it. I don't give a fuck if you're busking in a subway station with a hat in front of you and you're bringing home decent cash. Go ahead and do it. What are you going to do? Open an Excel sheet? I mean, get the fuck out of here. It's Mickey Dolan's. Is he going to go in a cubicle? No. But also to me, to my end, in my thinking, uh, Mickey should have enough money to where he doesn't do a fucking thing. He doesn't have to go to a cubicle or an Excel sheet. He's got to have a house with so many aloe plants, right? Doesn't he have got to have some agave outside? He's got several succulents. This guy... Has got to have some cash stored away. I would imagine. I would hope. He was a monkey for Christ's sake. And again, circus boy before that. And uh, and certainly there was a long period where he was just, hey, look, that guy's from the monkeys. But now he's Mickey again. And so he's made all this money with the tours when they did that was then and this is now. They. He, I hope he was banking it. What's he? Because what's he spending it on? Fucking drugs. You can't do drugs when you're fucking seventy. You don't know what'll happen. I mean, anything you do, any Dristan, any Advil, anything you put in your body when you're 75 years old could be the end of you. That's it. And and let's be honest, it's not just medicine. If you're 75 years old and you eat a fucking Butterfinger wrong, you could fucking die. It's just, you're just eating shrapnel. That's because that's all Butterfinger is. It's shrapnel encased in chocolate, which sounds delicious, really. Peanut butter shrapnel. If you, if, look, if you say peanut butter shrapnel, okay, now it's delicious. But shrapnel covered in chocolate. Uh, that just sounds like something that the Germans would offer you as a final meal before they killed you at Auschwitz. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, did they give a final meal to people? I don't think they did. I think they just tricked them and gassed them because they're fucking awful. And yet here we are. What do we do to this day? We eat bratwurst. Remember what those people did? Think about it every time you climb into your Mercedes, you fuck. Uh, I know since the father, I know I get it. Um, but yeah, but any th- if you're 75 years old, everything's a coin flip. You put your shoes on wrong and you wind up in traction. I mean, you're fucking, you're whole because you've had that, your body's, a machine. I've talked about this many times before, your body's a machine that's just, it's been running. My machine, my body's been running for 55 years. And, uh, you know, I have not changed the oil as often as I should. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, 
I, and oftentimes, uh, instead of oil, I'm pouring uh, sucrose and fucking high fructose corn syrup directly into the oil fucking chassis or whatever it is. And so my body's like, yeah, well, we're going to do what we can. We're going to eventually smoke will just come pouring out of me and I'll have to pull over and somebody will drag me to a fucking station to get fucking fixed. Uh, yeah, but you, once you hit certain ages, man, anything you do, you're like, hey, I like apples. Crunch. Oh, my God, my teeth fell out. You know, I just you have to be careful about textures and and. You go to soft food, even bananas, though. You peel a banana wrong, you break your wrist. I mean, you're just frail. You're fragile. You're bent over. You're gnarled. You, you, you need a cane at this point. You need two canes. I want, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have two canes. <laughs> when I get older, I'm not just going to have one cane. I'm going to have two canes. Not even like the fucking, you know, because there are people who have, uh, unfortunately, debilitating physical diseases, and they have to put those things, the metal ones, where they slide their hands in and they grab the handle. Like the kid on Breaking Bad had it. I'm not talking about that. I'm going to have like two fucking wolves head canes like and people don't you just need one cane I'm like oh contraire because if i if you hear like clomp clomp click you're like oh shit here comes a guy with a cane if you hear click clomp click clomp click clomp click clomp i could be on a horse you got no fucking clue i go four-legged i give you two doses of two different sounds if you go one sound two sound you go oh, there's a guy with a cane if you go two sound two sound you're like fuck it's a horse and that's, you know, that's what I want in my old age. I want people to mistake me for a horse. That's what I've been thinking for a long time in my equine-stained brain. How are you? I'm okay. There's a show later. Stick around for that. Let's do some plugs, shall we? Let's do that. Because I, I, I say this, I'm not sure, uh, I, I don't know. I think I'm holding people hostage with this opening part. Uh, but I like this opening part. Man, what the fuck? Anyway, no, you guys don't want to hear this fucking bullshit questioning. All right. Uh, did you know that I'm part of the Misfit Toys Co-op? I am. What? Yes, that's right. Uh, there's several shows in the Misfit Toys Co-op. Let's talk about them, shall we? How about the No Fun Show with Jen Kirkman? By the way, remember I've been, I've been plugging her Anxiety Bites podcast? Also ended. Remember I mentioned last week the Jonah Ray's podcast that ended? Uh, or it's out there still. You can get the archives. Well, Jen's our, our Anxiety Bites was a limited-run uh, series. And it's fantastic. It's uh, ways to deal with anxiety. She spoke with experts. She dealt with her own personal experiences. Perpinal? Perpinal? Uh, but the main thing you want to listen to is No Fun with Jen Kirkman. It's a fantastic show. It's an ongoing concern, and she's lovely and talented in it. Uh, just, just fucking sharp and and getting right to the meat of the matter. So fucking good and funny. That's the thing. It's like, you know, if, if she's just jerking off and doing somersaults, you're just like, whatever the fuck. That's just my show. But if she's funny and smart and nailing it, then you're like, all right, well, it's fucking Jen Kirkman. That's the Jen Kirkman we've come to expect and love and adore. And she's there right there right now. Part of the Misfit Toys Co-op, it's the No Fun with Jen Kirkman show. Go ahead and download it today. Uh, also, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, where can I hear a guy actually sweat? Uh, <laughs> that's going to be that's gonna be your Todd Glass show when you download it. That is a moist man. Todd Glass is moist. I'm not going to lie to you. I like Todd. Good friend. Uh, he's, he's a moist gentleman. Uh, and, and But you know why? Because he's working so hard for you. And he's working his way back to you, babe. With a burning love inside. He keeps working his way back to you, babe. With a happiness that I'd be to get away. Ooh, 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 ooh. Praying every day. I can't do the deep voice. Uh, I was so in love with you. Uh, you would listen to Todd Glass, too. He's great. Go listen to the Todd Glass show. Uh, but he's working and he's constantly talking and he's nailing it. He's crushing it with his incredible Todd Glassness. Uh, but also, you can physically hear him sweat. You can hear him secrete. You want to hear a guy secrete? Tune into the Todd Glass show. That is a secreting gentleman. Uh, but lovely and talented and also fucking terrific. Uh, but but still slick. 
slick as the to- the uh, the top of your outdoor pool. He's a wet man. Todd's a wet man. You can't you can't deny this, uh, and yet still a genius. That's the that's the thing. If you can be wet twenty four seven, that's mean. If you can be if you can be physically dripping twenty four seven, and yet also be a genius worthy of people paying attention to you and listening to you and laughing at everything you fucking say, uh, that's a special kind of talent. We all only aspire to that. We all wish we could be Todd Glass. Uh, uh, you know who, although uh, I don't care so much, I wouldn't want to be Todd Glass's shirt. I'll tell you that. <sighs> I mean, what can I, have I, have I gotten my point across? He does. He works hard for you and sweats. So you can actually hear it on the podcast, but uh, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it over the cacophonous gales of humor that are coming, bursting out of your iPod vagina, right into your head. Uh, the Todd Glass Show, also part of the Misfit Toys Co-op. Go ahead and check it out now, today. Well, not now. I'm talking, motherfucker. What the fuck are you doing? You're going to fucking split and leave me in the fucking dust? How dare you? Put moistness on a shelf. Stick with my dry voice right now, because my voice right now is dry as a bone. Sounds good, though. Hi, this is Mike Schmidt. My voice is dry as a bone. How do I not get voiceover work? Listen to that. That's my audition right there. Hi, I like Folger's coffee. Hire this man immediately. Why wouldn't you do it? What toothpaste do I use? Well, I use close-up because I enjoy the exciting cinnamon burst. See, look at this. Give me a goddamn job. I need to be working and selling things right now. Craft macaroni and cheese. It's the cheesiest. See? God damn it, Hollywood. What's wrong with you? Not that Hollywood runs the macaroni and cheese industry. Maybe macaroni and cheese can hear me. You know what? Maybe that's what I've been doing wrong. I'm appealing to, to Hollywood. I'm like, hey, Hollywood, hire me. And I should go, I should go to individual concerns. Hey, Mac. Tell Cheese to fucking get on board and sign me up for fuck's sake. Uh, no one will make you sound quite nearly as delicious. Although I guess with a dry voice like mine, I should be selling beverages. Let's try that. <clears throat> Couldn't you go for a nice, cool Pepsi right now? I know I could because, as you can hear, the inside of my throat looks like the desert floor in Arizona. That's right. It's got all of those cracks. Do you have that uh, crackonomia or whatever the fuck that disease is where if you see them, it makes you sick? Don't look in my throat. Holy Christ, my throat is a, it's a horror show. It's like a cracked desert floor. I, as Right now, you don't know this because all you're hearing is my dulcet tones, But if you, and you realize it's dry, but you don't realize how dry. If you were here right now, there's a sand dune on my desk. It comes flying out of my mouth every time I speak. I am just coughing up more and more sand. Uh, so, hi, how about a nice, refreshing Pepsi? That's me cracking the, the can and making it fizz. Uh, all right. <laughs> I can sell. Look, what, what products do you have? I can sell it. Hey, do you like hot sauce? I like hot sauce. Buy hot sauce. Doesn't matter what kind. I'm here from the hot sauce industry. Keep us alive. Uh, what, a, what a voiceover guy. What a Look at the future I have ahead of me as I sit here combing through the sand looking for the microphone so I make sure my voice isn't dulled. I don't want to be dulled. Dull is the finish on your Stratocaster when you left it in the garage for 20 years because you couldn't really play it and you tried to fool people that you could and then they found it you couldn't so you got embarrassed and you put it on a goddamn shelf and now you just stare at it forlornly. See, that's what you do when you don't breathe and you just talk. You try to push it out to the edge there. <clears throat> I was overcome by sand. Uh, you know, Doug loves movies. Do you know? Well, first of all, let's break this down. Let's unpack this. Do you know Doug? You might. Uh, Doug Benson, fantastic comedian. Super high me, Doug Benson. Beloved by millions. Uh, not only a, a treat on stage, but off stage, he's got a podcast that you should know about. Now, you, you know, Doug, we, we mentioned this. I've already clarified who Doug is. Doug Benson, one of your favorite comedians. Well, let me ask you this. If you know Doug, do you know what Doug loves? 
First of all, before I even get that far, do you know that Doug loves? Yeah, that's right. He's a human being capable of emotions. He's not just some fucking put a quarter in me laugh machine here for your entertainment. This is a man with actual deep feelings that he has for people and products and whatever the fuck else he loves. I don't know what it is. Look, I can't get to the point about what he loves because I don't know the man that well. He's a friend. We've never discussed his loves other than this one particular love that I'm about to tell you about right now. Uh, I, well, look, I know Doug loves weed. All right, let's, I, I take that back. I don't know about one specific love. I know several loves of Doug Benson. The many loves of Doug Benson. It's kind of like the impossible falsetto of Philip Bailey. Uh, the, many, <laughs> the many loves of Doug Benson. Um, that's in my head because I, uh, I was in the shower and Easy Lover played today. I have a shower playlist, you know what I mean? It hops around and sometimes it's just like a hundred songs and whatever plays, plays. And you know my rule, I can't get out of the shower if it's a bad song because I'm going to have a bad day. It's a bad, it sets a tone. So I got out of the shower today to Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. And by the way, I may have transposed the credit for that song. It's a Phil Collins song with Philip Bailey. But the second Philip Bailey pops and goes, she's the kind of girl you dream of. Dream of taking hold of. I can't, do, I, clearly I can't do it. Uh, doesn't mean I didn't subject you to it now, and now you're bleeding. But that's nothing I can do about that, friend. See a doctor. Uh, if only you were here, I would cough sand into your ear to stanch the bleeding. Uh, so uh, I th- I had that thought. I go, man, what did Phil Collins think when he ha- when he he I asked Phil Philip Bailey to be on the song, and it's like in the video you can even see the second Philip Bailey sings, there's kind of this palpable, oh man, you know, I feel like Letterman when Letterman sees something he'd like and he'd be like, that's how it's done. That's you know you, if you're looking to blow the roof off the dump, if if you're just looking for the best of the best, if you're just looking for something that it's money in the bank, you're gonna call on the impossible falsetto of Philip Bailey. Uh, and he comes out and he, he earths and then he wins and then he fires and you're like God damn it Philip Bailey, I you can't do anymore. And then he easy levers the shit out of you and you're like if you're like Phil Collins, you just sit there and you go Yeah no this was a good move this was a smart move. Because, you know, Phil Collins was only bringing in Philip Bailey because of the Phil factor. <laughs> Sorry, that made me laugh. I was I couldn't even get to the explanation. Uh, he said, get me a Phil. I need a Phil on this song. That's Because that's how Phil Collins envisioned it. It wasn't even like, he didn't say, get me the impossible falsetto of Philip Bailey. He was like, you know what I need? I need another Phil. Let's go with a Phil and a Phil. And they were like, what about Phil and Ott? And he's like, I love Phil and Ott. Died eight years ago. And you're like, fuck. Uh, these Irish guys got to quit drinking and vomiting in their sleep because otherwise, you know, get, let's, let me ask you this, how much better is Easy Lover? And I love Philip Bailey, but how great is Easy Lover if Phil and Ott is on it with Phil Collins? Holy Jesus, that would be amazing. There are very few guitar riffs that can kill a man, but the riff to Jailbreak can absolutely fucking kill a man. It is, it is it's like I've said, the, the riff to... I had this discussion with somebody the other day. Like somebody was talking about what an idiot Ted Nugent was. And we're like, yes, clearly Ted Nugent is a fucking clown, but he is responsible for four of the greatest riffs in the history of rock music. And uh, I had said three. And then the three that I named, I named uh, Stranglehold. I named uh, Free For All. And I named Wango Tango. And my friend goes, how do you forget Cat Scratch Fever? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, four. Four, goddammit. And now that I think about it, there's probably more. Because also my buddy my buddy named Great White Buffalo, I'm like, I go, that's a jam. It's great. It's really good. But as far as a riff, uh, I mean, that's Nugent was a riff guy, a complete riff guy. And the riff to Strangle, 
Fucking dude. Dude. By the way, you should see the sand. It's all over my apartment now. Just from this dry voice coughing up the fucking rift to stranglehold. And then the fucking rift to free for all. Never before have a turn like you when you look too good to me. Your beady eyes, they cut me in two and I just can't let you be. My throat's fucked. Hold on. Stakes are high and so am I. It's in the air tonight. Dudes, come on. Why is Ted Nugent such a fuckhead? Uh, but then, of course, Cat Scratch Fever. Even the, even the opening note of Cat Scratch Fever. You know, I mean, it's that'll kill butt. You don't even need the rest. All you need is that opening, like, fucking two seconds of Cat Scratch Fever and people are dying all over the place. You're laying waste to your enemies. Uh, what a fucking riff. And so, uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, and so Phil Lenat comes up with the jailbreak riff. Um, and look, and you can, I'll fight you for the boys are back in town. That's fine. Uh, but the riff to jailbreak, dude, because it opens with the whole band just goes bang, like this, like the, like this weird explosion of noise. And then there's like a, like the fucking snare, I think hits. And then it goes out. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak somewhere in the town. <laughs> there's gonna be trouble, so don't you be around. That's my fill of knots. Bad. It's very bad. <laughs> You're going to find yourself in. Dude, fucking fill it out. It's a jam. Unless he's a goddamn jam. Why did he die? The guy's got a fucking statue. What a genius. Uh, and speaking of fucking lunkheads who write great riffs. All right, listen. Uh, although he didn't even write it. I don't think he wrote this. I think Pete Townsend wrote it. So yeah, Pete Townsend's a fucking genius. So he wrote this riff. But uh, in the movie Tommy in 1975, a bunch of people covered... The, the, the music from Tommy. You know what I mean? They covered the, the, the rock opera and they started the movie or whatever. But there's a song called Eyesight to the Blind. And honestly, I'm, I'm failing. If Pat Francis was here, he would steer me in the right direction because he's a rock solid guy who knows about rock solid things. <clears throat> and he would tell me who wrote this song. I'm, I'm anticipating because it's in, a, it's in the movie, uh, I'm, ins- I'm, I'm assuming the who wrote it. Dare I Google? Should I Google right now? Let's Google. Fuck. What the hell? What are you, because what are you doing right now? Are you going to leave? I don't think you are. At this point, you're like, what? what's the next drift Mike's going to bring out of his fucking throat? <laughs> Eyesight to the blind. It says song by Eric Clapton. So that he might have written the goddamn thing. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. It's. I'm seeing now. I'm seeing now. Let me see if it's on Wiki. Let me see if it's on Wiki. Okay. So it's on... It's off of that the the Florida album. Oh wait, Eyesight to the Blind is a twelve bar blues song written and recorded in nineteen fifty one by Sonny Boy Williamson. Hold on a second. Wait a second. All right. Uh, several musicians subsequently recorded it in a variety of styles. The Who adapted it for their rock opera Tommy. All right, there we go. That makes sense. So Sonny Boy Williamson, I've got to hear his version now. I'm I'm very excited about this. Released in nineteen fifty one, recorded January fourth of nineteen fifty one. That's version one. Uh, it was on the trumpet label produced by Lillian McMurray. She didn't know what she had in a Sonny Boy Williamson. 
Uh, so there you go. Eyesight to the Blind, invented by Sonny Boy Williamson. Now I have to hear if his riff lives up to it. That'd be fucking amazing. I'm sure it does. He's his name's Sonny Boy. I used to have a buddy named Pete Moore in, in Chicago, and he would do jokes about blues clubs. And he said he had a joke, as a, uh, he had a job as a, <laughs> he did a bit about an MC at a blues club. You won't believe who just walked in. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Blood Lemon Fulton. <laughs> it was like always, and the names got progressively sillier, but it was always that guy. I'm happy you're here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You will not believe who walked in. Pete Moore, by the way, one of the funniest men of all time. Pete Moore, when I did that fucking website where we just wrote sketches, Load, I told you about it a million times. Did I ever say the name? I don't know if I did. Load, whatever. I worked there. I hired Pat. Then we used to bring in Jimmy all the time. It was really fun. We brought in Schwaba and fucking people. Well, I heard Pete Moore and Danielle Koenig to be the, the core four were me, Pat, Danielle, and Pete Moore. And it's because Pete Moore, Pat was, it was Pat suggested him, and I thought about it. I'm like, we, he just is an idea guy. He would just churn out fucking ideas all day. And it was perfect for those 10-second fucking sketches we did, 15 seconds, whatever they were, because they were just silly, dumb things. He came up with a guy named Shoe Doctor. It just, they were just dumb. I, I don't know if Pete Moore has a TikTok but he absolutely should because fuck he was he was just churning out that stuff all the goddamn time and it was fucking awesome uh, and then Danielle came in and she's a fucking brilliant writer and Pat is Pat and I did whatever I did and then we brought in other people but so Pete Moore one of the funniest guys of all time you won't believe who just walked in it was so great the bit um so so Sonny Boy Williamson sounds like somebody that Pete would in, in, introduce as his his character uh, so I didn't know Sonny Boy Williamson did that song, but that riff, if Sonny Boy Williamson wrote the riff or if, if Clapton tightened it up or if it's the actual riff in the Who song, I don't know. But if you watch Tommy or go listen to this song, High Sight to the Blind, off of the Tommy soundtrack, the riff in that will also murder somebody. Be careful. You got to go in, go in with fucking tiptoe in. Don't sneak up on it because it'll fucking explode right in your goddamn face. Uh God damn it, it's a fucking riff. Uh, and then, oh, all right, in the same vein, same guy. And I've talked about this song on here too. It's uh, it's it's up there, possibly my favorite Who song of all time. And it's because I'm partial to Pete, so I'm partial to Pete singing, and I'm partial to Pete's solo stuff. The Sea Refuses No River. Uh, let's go. Do me yourself a favor if you haven't heard it in a while. Go listen to Rough Boys. Oh my god, dude! I put on a Pete Townsend playlist this week and just fucking like I said, the Sea Refuses give blood face to face. Uh, Brilliant Blues, the, the the Sea Refuses No River, Slit Skirts, and fucking Rough Boys, and and of course. Uh, um, let my love open the door. The two different versions, the the single version, and there was the one that was on Gross Point Blank, like the really, the really soft version. I don't even know how to explain the different version of it, but it's fucking beautiful. And uh, and so I listened to some Pete Townsend this week. But boy, my favorite Who song, uh, Eminence Front, <clears throat> and I've talked about it on here before because the riff in that also that song sounds like a fight because it starts out with like it's got the like the fucking keyboard thing in the beginning but it's a sequencer and it changes and it loops and then the drum goes boom 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 down 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 I went down a chord there but it doesn't it's the same way all the way through a chord a note a falsetto I don't know what the fuck they're called a key 
I don't have keys. Meg's, right now, Megs, if he's hearing this, he's just hating me. He's like, you have no musical talent, you can't sing. It's the first thing he always tells me when we do the interlude. He goes, listen to me, don't try to sing this. Don't sing. Just do what you're told. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, but that, you know, so down, 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 down. And then, you know, sunshine. People forget fucking Pete Townsend. God damn it. I don't, I don't know if I'd ever stop hugging Pete Townsend if I met him. Again, like I said, Rough Boys played, and I hadn't heard it in a while. If you haven't heard it in a while, and then you throw it on, you're like, God damn it. And, and yes, all right, look, I know the lyrics. So what? Grow up. You know, it's one of those things where, like, when you heard it as a kid, you even heard the lyrics, you're like, all right, this, I mean, this kind of sounds like, nah, it's Pete Townsend's The Who. Wouldn't That's probably not it. Uh, like, if David Bowie sang a song like that, you'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, Rough Boys, I want to bite and kiss you, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I want to buy you leather. I get it. It makes sense. Uh, but Pete Townsend, you would, he had never... In my mind, he had never any exhibited any of that. Uh, and then you get older and you read about uh, Pete Townsend and his dynamic within the band. And uh, essentially the fact that Roger Daltrey used to beat him up every day until he made him the singer or whatever the fuck. Uh, and then, you know, Pete's had some uh, adventurous times in his life. So I'm like, all right, I think I, Pete, Pete's a switch hitter, whatever the fuck. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. But also Pete is a sensitive soul. But also he's also incredibly angry all the time. Like I saw them at the VH1 Honors concert where they attributed The Who, and, and Pete Pearl Jam was there, and I think the Foo Fighters did a song, uh, fucking Flaming Lips, and uh, Wayne Coyne did the fucking inflatable ball nonsense, and it was great. It was a great show. So Pete Townsend, The Who comes out to close it, and uh, his speaker didn't work, his amp, and he was so fucking mad, he like fucking hit it with the guitar, he kicked it, and he's like, fuck! And they had to start over. They had to retake the whole thing. It was fun. But it was good to be in the room for that, because uh, Pete's an angry guy. It's just simmering and just underneath the service, you can tell when you hear his songs. Uh, you know a song I listen to him, I put it on the playlist? Uh, you ever hear the song Save It for Later? I think I've talked about that on here uh, by General Public. It was written by uh, Dave Wakeling. And uh, he, he got a phone call, Dave Wakeling, once from Pete Townsend telling him that that was that how much the song meant to him and how amazing it was and asking if he could do the song. And, and Dave Wakeling's just like gobsmacked that fucking Pete Townsend's on his phone. It's a fucking great story. Uh, but just like it's it's and it's the same story as like uh when Dave Grohl didn't know that Prince was going to do best of you at the Super Bowl, Dave Grohl tells that story. He's at some Super Bowl party or whatever the game's on, and Prince is doing the halftime show, and they're like, holy fuck, he's amazing. Because he is. It's the greatest halftime show of all time. And then he does best of you, and Dave Grohl's just like, uh, uh, and everybody's looking at him like, whoa, dude! Because <laughs> he had no idea. And that's beautiful, man. It's it's just to see your art appreciated by people you admire. Holy fuck a moly. That's got to be the greatest thing of all time. I wouldn't know. <laughs> But I'm sure it's a great feeling. Uh, so our friend Doug, I don't know if you know about this. He loves things, certainly. He, he feels strongly. He has. He's capable of human emotion. Did you not think, did you think Doug a robot? Oh, contraire. Did you think Doug a uh, just a, a, an unfeeling hunk of weed smoke? Incorrect. Did you think of him as the uh, uncaring bung resin that you have to scrape out oh no i'm getting an update no don't kill i'm recording something dude fuck you remind me skip this version jesus christ i'm recording i'm recording a show and again it's a one take jake so if that would have interrupted the recording i'd have been furious all right this this might be a good time to address this before i talk about the other thing uh today this today's show we started it and then i talked for a while and i thought i said some funny things and then we were having some technical difficulties and i and lily's like all right you got to sign out I'm like, well, we just did like fucking eight minutes of audio and I, I don't want to, whatever it was, six minutes. I go, I don't want to, I'd really, I don't want to lose that. She's like, well, I'll send them both to you. 
And I go, all right, well, I'll put it in the show. I go, but then I thought to myself, well, if, it, if the tech stuff is fucking shitty, then you guys are going to turn the show off and be pissed. I don't know. So look, when I put these in here, the first seven minutes of me and Lily, I think, is going to be, uh, is going to be, there might be some stuff. <laughs> but I thought, I thought there was enough funny in it to where it was worth keeping. So I don't, I don't know. I, this, and you know me, I'm petrified of amateur night nonsense, but at the same time, I don't want to lose something that was funny. Uh, I like humor. Uh, so brace yourselves. Whenever I'm done talking here and giving you plugs that you can use, please know that there's going to be audio and the first seven minutes, there might be an echo or something. And it was enough, to, you know me, I want to just quit. I want to run and dive into the sea. I don't want, I don't, because I don't like putting out product that's terrible. I also don't like the fact that, you know, we're doing something here. This is, and if I, as I've mentioned, extemporaneously speaking off the top of my head for eight minutes and then they go, Hey, wait, we got to stop. And you're like, are we going to lose all that? Because literally that was, that was just brilliance I created right now. And it's going to be disappearing into the ether if we never use it. Because it's not like I can remember stuff. It's not like I can go back and go. See, it's, it's different. It's different now. It just feels wrong. See, I can't play. I can't. I lost it. I lost the riff. Uh, so just just don't yell at me for the first seven minutes of me and Lily. Because then after that, there's a, a, a longer chunk that's uh, a tech tech clean, worry-free, plug-and-play, key and peel, Rizzoli and Isles, Tom and Jerry, Peaches and Herb. It's something with an ampersand. Please enjoy it. Uh, Our friend Doug, strongly emotional, has attachments to many, many things, loves a lot of them. But one thing I can tell you for sure, Doug specifically loves... Because I will say again, I think he loves weed, but I'm, I, that's just a presumption on my part. I've never seen Doug go, I love weed. I've never seen Doug have a show called, ah, Doug loves weed. Uh, but I can assume very strongly Doug loves weed, but that's an assumption. If you want something confirmed, I've got it for you right here. Our friend Doug loves movies. What? Yes, he does. It's a podcast right now on the Misfit Toys Co-op. Doug loves movies. Check it out now. Go ahead and listen to it. It's fantastic. It's Doug and his famous friends and his not so famous friends discussing film and everything surrounding it. Talking about movies, playing some games, learning about Cuba, having some food. It's all there. Go ahead and check out Doug loves movies at the Misfit Toys Co-op, please. Waiting for you right now. And of course, never not funny is part of the Misfit Toys Co-op. That's never not funny. It's three words. Uh, our good friend, well, it's the gang. We know it's the gang. It's Garen and uh, Elliot. And then, of course, the lovely Matt Belknap. Said it through a yawn. So powerful, I had to crush through a yawn. Matt Belknap and uh, the lovely and talented James Pardo. James Riddle Pardo. James R. Pardo. Jimmy Pardo, uh, Matt Belknap, Elliot Hochberg, Hockberg, Hochberg, and, of course, the lovely Garen Cockerel, Cockerel, Cockerel. They are the gang. They make up Never Not Funny. And I understand they just released an episode with Christella Alonzo, uh, who did not get the memo that the show was going to be on camera. Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. Christella Alonzo, a delightful woman and a wonderful talent, uh, and not necessarily in that order. And uh, But in her photograph, she's wearing a Boston concert T-shirt. But I, And in my brain, I was like, well, that totally fits the vibe of the show. Like, at first I thought, I was like, oh, boy, okay, that's a, that's a choice. But then I went, well, wait a minute. She's in a fucking podcast, first of all. And second of all, th- these guys, all they do to all day is talk about fucking, you know, ridiculous old bands. If you want to talk about Orleans for 45 minutes, go on Never Not Funny. Uh, <laughs> well, by the way, it's not like you get to pick. 
It's not like you're like, hey, can I come on? Uh, can, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on Never Not Funny and talk about Orleans. Because uh, because the way Jimmy works it, uh, A, you might not get on the show, but even if you do get on the show, you don't get to fucking call the shots. It's not like you're going to be like, here, I'm here to talk about Orleans and how Still the One is a modern masterpiece. Still the One, still the one to go to when you want a song about stilling the one. And then he's going to be like, boo, get out of here. And then they'll play a trivia game and roll dice for four hours. Uh, Never Not Funny is available to you right now anywhere you get good podcasts, as well as Doug Loves Movies, Todd the, the, Todd, blah, blah, the Todd Glass Show, and No Fun with Jen Kirkman. Go please uh, listen to them. Misfit Toys Co-op. I'm part of it. Why shouldn't you be? Why, I, I Check that. I, I, why aren't you? That's right. I, I make it a challenge to you. Develop a show and get popular and get picked up by the Misfit Toys. Who wants to hire me for stuff? Everybody. Do you want me to do a cameo? I, I promise not to talk like that. What the fuck was that? Uh, hire me to do a cameo. I'll, I'll call you. I'll say good things or bad things. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Child wins spelling bee. I'm happy to address it. <laughs> Child fails at science fair. I will taunt them mercilessly. Wife cheating. I'll call her out. Husband not as exciting as he used to be, causing there to love the love to flow out of your marriage. I will address it. Whatever you need me to do. I can be your counselor. I can be your lover. I can be, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a something. I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. I don't know if those are the words. But I'm all of those things for you for $15. For all 20, it's 20. The Cameo Consumption Consortium. They, uh, consumption? Consortium. Consortium. The Cameo Consortium gets five bucks, but I get 15, and that's important. God knows I need $15. Do you know how much I need $15 right now? There's a shawarma truck up the street. Shawarma. I, that's what I pronounced it like that. Instead of just saying shawarma, I said shawarma. That's how important it is to me. I punched the W. That's how important it is. And uh, it's right up the street. It's $15. So if you hire me for a cameo, I, all right, I, I'll make this deal with you. How about this? If you hire me for a cameo, I will go buy a shawarma. And then I will do the cameo with the shawarma in the, in the, in the shot. <laughs> just just out of reach. I mean, look, I could also, if you really want to do it, if you get some bananas fetish, I'll I'll eat the shawarma on camera if you if you prefer that. But I'm not kidding. There is a shawarma truck that parks uh, four blocks from my house now. And uh, I will go there and I will buy the 15 because you'll pay for it. If you got, if you hire me for cameo, I get 15 bucks. So I will go there and purchase the $15 shawarma and bring it to my home. And I will either, and look, Whatever you want. I'll, I can take a picture of myself with said shawarma and send it to you after the cameo. I can buy the shawarma and just have it on camera with me. Or I can actually eat said shawarma while I'm doing your cameo. Who doesn't want a cameo of me eating an awesome shawarma? God damn it. Uh, so that's the deal. That's, that's, I put that to you. Every week I have a different deal for cameo. There's the new deal. If you, if you made, but you get, look, you have to tell me that's what you want. If you hire me for a cameo, I'm not just going to get the shawarma and then come back. And then you're like, hey, my sister's going into a, the nunnery. And I'm going to be like, God damn it. I got to talk about Jesus and habits with this fucking chick while I'm eating a shawarma. That's bad. So I don't want to look like a clown. I'm not a, I'm not a buffoon, mind you. I enjoy a good shawarma. I like a Middle Eastern sandwich. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, I'm not, I'm not a clown. I'm not here to amuse you. Uh, and, and here's two things I'll say about that. I'm not here to amuse you, which is terrible news for a comedy podcast. Or I'm not here to amuse you, which the previous 40 minutes has just proved, has proven, has been proven by the previous 40 minutes. God damn it. I should have had that better. Um, so that's it. Shawarma cameo week. 
You want to book me for a cameo? I will literally go buy a shawarma and whatever you tell me to do with it. Well, I mean, I'm going to shove it up my ass, but if you want me to eat it on camera, I will. If you want me to just hold it up and show it to you in the cameo, I will. Or if you just, uh, if you're just like, hey man, uh, get a shawarma afterwards. Here you go. Say say a cool thing to my child about his fourth grade uh, dinosaur collection, and then also uh, get yourself a shawarma. Here you go, a little something for the effort, a little boom boom. It's like I'm working the door and Goodfellas, Leota comes through and he's like, here you go. He slides a 20 in my pocket and goes, get a shawarma. That's a shawarma and a tip right there, son. Uh, and I'll say, thanks. I'm glad I'm opening doors for a 22-year-old gangster. And then he'll walk through the kitchen. And then all of the Chinese guys who work in the kitchen will be like, oh, who's this guy? And all the Hispanic guys who work in the kitchen will be like, great, another rich asshole. Uh, you can't view any movie through the prism of now. <laughs> the prism of now. Not quite... The impossible fellatio, oh my lord, the impossible falsetto of Philip Bailey. Now, look, I can't speak to the impossible fellatio of Philip Belly. Uh, Belly? What? All right, we got to end this. Let's just fucking end this. What happened to me? I just, my brain discombobulated and Schwarma got in there and fucked it all up. The impossible fucking, I, I almost said fellatio again. The impossible falsetto of Philip Bailey. How did I say it right earlier? How did I conjure that phrase out of my head and it was awesome? Uh,. Did I even finish that thought? We got into Phil the Knot and riffs. Um, so when they, they wanted, because Phil Collins just wanted to fill and fill. That's what it was. He wanted to get a second fill on board. And then they said, we can't find any fills. Phil the Knot is dead. Uh, what about uh, a Philip? And he's like, great, I can do this. And then they brought in Philip Bailey. And Phil Collins realized he was in over his head, but he was thrilled because now Philip Bailey was there to do that hard lifting. Uh, and and that was great. All, all of the... All of the, the big lifting was done by our friend Philip Bailey on that song. Although it's a jam. Uh the kind of guy you dream of. Dream of taking home. Oh, oh, it. Oh, boy. All right. Now you've left in droves. I can feel it in my bones. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Hire me for a cameo. It's Shawarma Cameo Week. Shawarma. Shawarma. Cameo Week. And uh, you tell me what you want me to do. And look, by the way, also make please make a note. Just go, look, man, don't get a shawarma. If you if you want that too, that's also on the table. It, it doesn't need to be shawarma cameo week. If you hire me for a cameo, you can expressly say, hey, man, get a shawarma and do this. Uh, but do not say, don't get a shawarma. Because I'm not. it's not default. It's not default shawarma week. My point is I'm open to shawarma suggestion this week, but it's not default shawarma week. Like every cameo I get will result in a shawarma purchase. Because if somehow this week I get like 10 people who hire me for cameos, I don't know if I can put away 10 shawarmas. I mean, I can, not like Joey fucking Chestnut, but I mean, I can probably eat them over the course of 10 days. Uh, but even a, look, even a man like me gets sick of a shawarma. Uh, I'm no iron man. I'm not made of iron. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB is out there. Oh, cameo. So oh, wait, book cameo.com or put the cameo up on your phone uh, right next to DoorDash. So they can DoorDash me a shawarma. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB exists. It's out there. Uh, Lily and I are hatching a plot to put video up. And uh, if that's something you're interested in, it'll be there. If you're already a Patreon people, a people person, that's fantastic. If you're not, go ahead and jump in. It would help me immeasurably since the end times are coming. Uh, and if you don't, look, if you don't want a Patreon, if anybody a Patreon person, you just want to send me some dough, go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. There's a PayPal button. It's a little horn boy up in the upper right-hand corner. It says Donate doesn't say it like that just says donate but i say it as donate click on that send me some paypal send me some paypal cash makes me happy uh cameo and patreon they're out there paypal it's perfect hey let's talk about this also did you know we got uh, podcast people who are lovely and they they uh, they promote us in some way or fashion 
Our great friend, Fearful Jesuit, is out there. He's got the Paranoid Strain podcast, and he is crushing it weekly. He's in the midst of a 741-episode takedown of Q and the John Birch Society and Russia and the World Bank. By the time he's finished, these people will not have a dollar sign to stand on. He's going to fucking clean them out, baby. Uh, he's going to make them look stupid. People will stop sending the money. Well, here's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for him to delve into Scientology in a real way because uh, I like to see my friend get killed. Aren't they murderers? Don't they do that shit? Stay away from them. If Jesuit, if you're listening, uh, stay away from the Scientologists because they lurk. Nobody wants to. You can't make fun of lurkers. Like these other idiots, Q and all that, they're outside yelling and screaming. They don't give a fuck. They get their finger in the air. Where we go, one, all of us go, whatever the fuck. And you're like, great. Uh, good for you, losers and wingnuts. But uh, Scientology, they skulk around in the dark waiting to catch you uh, off guards. And you know you know what? Here's This is totally true. Uh, Scientology doesn't use a gun. Uh, and they used to sneak up behind people with ice picks, but even that became kind of their calling card. Everybody knew it was a Scientologist. You know what? You know what the Scientologist uses now as a weapon? The bolo. <laughs> you don't see it very often. You know why? Because L. Ron Hubbard bought all the bolos and he destroyed bolo technology. All the plans for constructing further bolos were purchased by L. Ron Hubbard and burned in a fire. So no one knows how to make a bolo. But a bolo is like from those old movies. It's literally like a... You know what a click-clack is? It's got like two balls hanging and you that deal. And you know that toy that's on your desk, the click-clacker, where it's got four balls to go... Okay, a bolo is a combination of those two things. Take that office toy and put it on, uh, on, on long strings or ropes or leather straps like the click-clack, and then people they swing it around their head and they throw it at a guy and it goes around his ankles uh, and they trip and they hit their head on a curb and they die. Now, normally it would just trap a guy. Like you throw the bolo and it would maybe tie him up, whatever the fuck, but L. Ron Hubbard and his infinite wisdom uh, if you, and you may know this if you read Battlefield Earth, you're way ahead of me. Uh, he came up with the, the bolo that actually always is guaranteed to kill your opponent. It will trip them, it will tie their legs up, and they run, and then they fall, and they hit their head on cement. Even, get this, even if they're in a meadow. Somehow, if they're in an open field, if there's only grass and trees as far as the eye can see, they wind up crushing their skull on cement. I, he doesn't tell you how he does it. You know why? Because he's L. Ron Hubbard. And, and the L stands for let's not ask any questions. So by all means, uh, don't go after them, fearful Jesuit, because if you because you hear or you know, the bolo people are coming, you know, the Scientologists are lurking in the shadows. If you hear the bolo noises because they want you to hear it. That's another thing. Scientologists want you to sweat. They don't want you to be like, oh, trip, you know, tripping through the day. Do, 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 do. This is great. Run some errands. Have a great time with my daughter. Going to have a great time with my son and possibly a date later where we eat pasta and I get to see a woman chew. Uh, no, they want you to do that. And then all of a sudden uh, you hear. And then you're like terrified and they kill you because they feel. Now, get this. It's easier for Xenu to harvest your soul if you're terrified when you die. If you go peacefully in your sleep, never, never once. Has a Scientologist gone peacefully in their sleep, peacefully, uh, because then they're not going to they're not going to Vishnu Town or whatever the fuck or no not uh, Zenu Town. Uh, their thetans will be spoiled if they die peacefully. You must maintain in a state of constant. <laughs> can't even say it. You must maintain a state of constant agitation as a Scientologist in order to be embraced by Zeno upon your deathbed. 
So that's why they keep you scared shitless all the time. And that's why when they kill their, their victims, they make sure they hear the bolo clicking and clacking. And that's how it goes. It warms up that way. It goes. And then they fucking throw it and you're dead. You don't even know what happened. And you're on a cloud. You're standing on a cloud somehow. And you still hit your head on cement and you die. And you wake up and there's Xenu. And he does that fucking Xenu laugh that we all know and hate. Uh, can't do it here. Copyrighted. Paranoid Strain Podcast is out there. It is waiting for you to listen to and love. Fearful Jesuit is out there doing the big work along with the Dana of Unicorns. The Unicorn of Danas. The lovely and talented and brilliant and uh, wonderful Dana Unicorn. She's out there with our great friend Fearful Jesuit. They are doing things that uh, that must be done that you can't do, that I won't do. Uh, and so they're doing them. They're taking on all of these conspiracy theories and they're making them sound fucking fantastic and amazing and getting to the meat of the matter. And what I always love, too, is on their Paranoid Strain page on, pod, uh, on Facebook, which you can go ahead and join. Uh, people will post stuff that Jesuit talked about a year ago, and it's happening now. And they're just like, uh, dude. <laughs> he's like, yep. Because he's just that fucking guy, man. He's ahead of it. So go listen to the Paranoid Strain podcast where he, he will uh, delve deeply into conspiracy theories and tell you why you should or should not be afraid of them. Uh, but at the same time, even when he's telling you you should be afraid of them, uh, it's a little disconcerting because he's reveling in them. The man loves them. It's his life's work, his life blood. And uh, and honestly, I don't I don't know about a guy who's who's loving something that petrifies so many people. But you know what? That's just the kind of fella he is. Fearful Jesuit runs the Paranoid Strain podcast. Dana Unicorn at his side. Go get it now wherever the best podcasts are featured. Podcasts, you say? Took a break there. I should drink some water while I take a break. Hold on. <clears throat> the sand up to my ankles now. My apartment, my entire apartment is filled. Uh, you know the Flemcat podcast exists. What? Yes, Flemcat. Do doodly doodly do do flagbat. Flemcat. Do do doodly doodly P H L E G M C A T. Flemcat. Doodly doodly do do. That's a ragmop. Ragmop. Doodly doodly do do. Ragmop. Doodly doodly do. R A G G M O P P. Ragmop. Doodly doodly do do. P H L E G M C A T. Cat. Flemcat. Do do do. David Mex Hernandez runs the Flemcat podcast. He's doing great things. He's singing about the Springa and the Moona and the Juna. He wants to sing about the Springa and the Moona and the Juna. He's a frog, a frog. Or no, is that a baby or a frog? No, the frog sings, Hello, my baby. Hello, my rag. Hello, my ragtime girl. Baby, my heart's on fire. No, uh, no. Send me a kiss by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. Uh, that's the singing frog. That's Michigan J frog. But then there is also a baby who's like, I like to sing about the spring and the moon and the June. Is that a pig? I don't know what it is. Uh, but regardless, Max is doing all the singing on his show. He doesn't rely on pigs and frogs. Uh, although there, But I will say this. You can't rule out the appearance of a pig or a frog and certainly not a singing pig or a frog. They could show up as well. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, there used to be a show when I was a kid and I don't know what the show is, but I only know this part of the theme song. Anything can happen. <laughs> And it usually does. That was the end of the theme song. I can't tell you what show it was. I guarantee you Casey Murphy's going to know the name of that show. I saw a show and he's going to write me and tell me what it was. Anything can happen. And it usually does. That was the end of the song. And then the show would start. Uh, I have all of those weird. Come on. We all have those weird snippets in our brain of shit when we were a kid and you're like, I don't know why the fuck that's in there. Uh, I know that a marathon bar lasts a good long time. A cowboy, I'll tell you that. 
It's just foolishness. That when you ever wonder about the strength of advertising, just know that I know probably four different McDonald's jingles from my life, all through my life, and and Burger King too, all of them. Uh, that oh hold on, I just got a, a something else popped up on my screen. Don't do this. I'm recording a show. Uh, so the Flemcat podcast is out there right now, ready for you to check it out and listen and love and learn. Uh, it's amazing stuff done by our great friend, our great friend, our fabulous friend, David Mex Hernandez. By the way, you can go to facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and uh, become his friend. And then also he sells artwork. You can check all his artwork out there on the page and he can go ahead and do something for you. Work up a schematic, work up an oil, a water, uh, work up something with pastels, possibly crayons. If you want him to work in Sharpie, he can do that. Whatever the fuck you need. If you've got the green, he'll make the scene and he'll go ahead and make whatever artwork you want. It'll hang in your foyer. And you'll stare at it every day and go, my God, it's majestic. Uh, but also, while you're while you're looking at the artwork, don't you want to hear his voice? Don't you want to hear him doing amazing things and being funny and telling stories and singing songs? Well, of course you do. And that's why you need to check out the Flem Cat podcast. And that's, by the way, that's two words. P-H-L-E-G-M-C-A-T. And I'm going to say you can just, if you Google Flem Cat uh, or you go to iTunes and you, you look up Flemcat. I'm going to say you're not going to get any other hits. I feel confident in telling you there are no other podcasts that have Flem in the title. I'm sure I'm going to get an avalanche of correspondence showing me that I am incorrect, and that's fine. But then let's go this route. I'm going to tell you this. There's there's no other podcast that has the words Flem and Cat in the title. And I'm sure right now you're sitting down, Dear sir, and you're going to type a letter and point out to me there's at least five other shows like that. And I will then say to you this. There is no other show out there that has Flem and Cat in the title that is worth your fucking time. How about that? The Flem Cat Podcast is a, it's the only one when you want to hear Max be cool. I'm not even going to bother trying to hit the back wall like our friend Melissa. Because I'm the only one. I, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I remember I talked about Foo Fighters when I blew my voice out and I'm like, you, you want to hurt? It's like you want to. I tried to break my windshield with my voice. I'm being completely serious. Like I was like, I wonder if I could get that powerful a sound cooked up to break my mirror because it was loud in my car. Uh, and there's another passage that like could be like that is that that the chorus of Melissa Etheridge's uh, "I'm the only one" is that the name of the song? Uh, Go on and hold on to the feeling that I'm the only one who walks across the fire for you. And I'm the only one who holds in that desire for you. But then when she's like, it's healing that you're hiding from when all the promises are gone. And then when she says, I'm the only one, dude. I can't imagine she didn't break every microphone within a two-mile radius or or at least the glass in the control room booth. I mean, it's just with that, I'm the only one. That note is just so fucking, it's not a note like an opera singer. It's just this sheer, crushing, sternum-cracking volume, power behind that fucking delivery. Even the I'm the only one gets it too, but then that I'm the only, the chorus gets it. With the walked in there, my desire, but that I'm the only one, dude. And that's another one that I can't resist singing. Like if I'm in the car or something, it's like, it's just so fucking, because you, because that's unbridled, man. There's no, you're not couching it. You're not like, oh, maybe I, no, no, she's just fucking letting it go. And in your brain, you're like, how could you ever sing another song after belting that fucking song? And then she did it night after night on tour. And you're like, my God, man. I mean, just, 
just incredible. So uh, that's another song like that. I don't know why it came up. Because uh, you know why? Because Flumcat's the only podcaster. It's the only one that's got David being songs for you. Being songs? I couldn't think of something. Uh, our great friend David is on the Flumcat podcast. You can get it where the finest podcasts are adored and loved and worshipped and grabbed and, and everybody thinks they're great and you should check them out right now. What's that right now? When? Right fucking now, man. Although not right now because I'm talking. Did you know that I have channels? Oh, uh, did you know I did Rock Solid with Ozzy? I did a couple weeks ago. What the fuck? Check that out. Why not? Also, I'm on... Uh, I have channels. I got youtube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. YouTube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can check that out right now. Uh, it's got mainly the archives of the podcast, which uh, I just met somebody this week. and They're like, send me your three favorite episodes ever of the podcast that I should hear. And I'm like, I've been doing this almost 13 full years. Narrowing it down to three is going to be tough. Uh, but now that's that's something. So, oh, if you got a suggestion, tell me. Because uh, part of me wants to send, you know, I think I got to send almost. And then also there's uh, I got to find something that's just fucking relentlessly funny and won't stop. And then maybe there's another one uh, that kind of hits a nice balance of funny and uh, and I don't know, morose, <laughs> poignant, whatever you want to call it. Uh, who knows? But that's at YouTube.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can check those out and listen and you'll love them. Certainly everybody will enjoy them. And then also get this. I got this channel rocking and rolling. Hey, man, you should keep rocking and rolling. Uh, that's our good friend Dirk Diggler accepting an award. <laughs> Let's just keep rocking and rolling and make better movies. Uh, Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Hey, by the way, my friend Ahmad, I talked to him the other day. Uh, my friend Ahmad does not, he's never seen Boogie Nights. I'm like, what the fuck, man? He's got to watch Boogie Nights. Uh, Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy exists. What's this? Well, it's a television network that I own. What? Yes, you're damn right. Uh, I'm streaming all the time. Pretty much every afternoon I'm on there doing stuff. Uh, stuff like what, you ask? Well, I'm doing playing games. Right now I'm in the middle of a cowboy game, but October's coming up, which is going to be Spooktober. So I got two more days of cowboy action, and then eventually we, we're going to drift. Wait, today's the 29th, tomorrow's the 30th. So starting next week, you're going to hear this now. If you tune in today, the 29th, which you're not going to, uh, or tomorrow, Friday the 30th, you'll see cowboy game. But then starting on October 1st, we're going to pivot to scary games. And uh, I might start with the quarry. I'm looking around for monster games. We'll see. Uh, but if you join us at twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy, you'll be able to tune in and check it out. And you'll see clips of me doing weird things. Also, there's a million clips from previous broadcasts, as well as live broadcasts for you to tune in and check out. It's super fun and great and amazing, uh, and it makes me happy that you would even consider it. Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. We've got a great community of people over there. I have a Discord you can join if you want. Uh, but a fantastic community of people who come in and watch and hang out and it's super cool. You can follow or subscribe. Following is great because it gets my numbers up and it lets Twitch go, okay, this guy's got some numbers, some decent numbers. But also the subscribing, that's when I get money. You can actually give me money or you can subscribe through Amazon Prime and then Jeff Bezos has to give me money. And isn't that great? Now you know what you're doing? It's like it's like Bezos is a skinny kid in school and you're taking his fucking lunch money and you're giving it to me. You're just shoving Bezos in a fucking locker. Good for you. Uh, Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. YouTube.com slash the 40-year-old boy, the Paranoid Strain podcast, the Flemcat podcast, the Misfit Toys co-op, Cameo, Shwarma Week, uh, Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB, PayPal at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. And oh, I should do this. You guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You can be my friend at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. And you can find me at Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok at Mike. 40YOB. That's Mike40YOB for Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Uh, all of those things are available there already. And by the way, if you donated to Lily's Burlesque Deck and you wanted a Zoom call, we just did a great one with our great friend John. 
Uh, John scheduled one, and he he was excited, and we talked for about an hour last Saturday, and it was really sweet. Uh, fun, well, not sweet like aw, but sweet like yeah, sweet. Uh, it was too sweet if you if you ask AJ Styles or uh, Kenny Omega. Uh, but it was great. It was a great conversation with our friend John. And uh, I think we're doing one with a guy named Matthew. I don't know when that's getting scheduled. KC, I think we're scheduling with KC. Whenever anybody wants to schedule one, reach out to Lily. Uh, and then she'll tell me, and then we'll do it, and we'll talk. And look, man, we can talk for five fucking minutes. We can talk for an hour. Whatever you want. Go ahead and schedule a Zoom call. Happy to do it. It was really fun. So looking forward to that. And uh, I'm looking forward to that as much as you're looking forward to me. Stop talking, get Lily involved, and she's about to. Uh, like I said, there's two sections of audio. The first one is a short one. It's about six minutes, I think. I don't know, seven minutes, I think. And uh, there was some technical stuff, but I, I didn't want to uninclude it because I was, I'm was i trying to be better about just letting, you know, I don't want to let one thing derail me. But also, look, it's probably fucking terrible. And you're going to be like, what the fuck? But who cares? It's bonus me. That's all you care about. So there's seven minutes of that. And uh, and then after and then I'm going to run a few commercials, uh, you know, I, I, because you know, look, Misfit Toys got to pay the bills. So uh, when I'm done here, there's going to be an ad probably, and then when that seven minute one, when we take the break there, there's going to be another ad, and then there'll there'll be the end of the show. So I'm warning you, I'm I'm the only guy in the fucking world who's like, hey man, I'm sorry, there's ads coming up, and you probably hate me for it, and I'm sorry. Uh, but look, as I've mentioned before, I need fifteen bucks. So uh, so if that if these ads accomplish that, they will. So. Uh, cool. All right, you guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com, all those other places you can find me. Remember to go ahead and listen to The Paranoid Strain and Flemcat, all of those things. And uh, and please, please, please uh, enjoy this appearance of Lily Von Stupp on yet another 40-Year-Old Boy podcast. <coughs> Recording in progress. Let's do it. I don't, you know, I want that job. I want the recording in progress job. Are we, are we, are we touched on this. I don't think we really dealt with it. Like, I don't understand. You like your TikTok, but I don't understand why when you go there, it uses that one default voice that has no idea how to phrase a sentence. Here is someone dying by an axe. You know what I mean? It's like the same, the same cadence, no matter what it is. Oh, look at that puppy. Oh my gosh. Her arm got caught in the thresher. You know what I mean? It's, it's just always, it, there's no... And again, it's a robot. I guess half the appeal is that it has no fucking human emotion. But no matter what it's conveying to you, it's like, wow, what a pretty balloon. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear about the Holocaust? You know what I mean? They're just <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Like, it's the same voice. I don't know. Teach a robot to fucking have some inflection and be sad about the Holocaust. Listen to me. Why can't robots be sad about the Holocaust? If there's one thing robots <laughs> should be sad about, clearly, clearly, it should be the Holocaust. If you could train them to at least be sad about up a dozen eggs and be like whatever i can clean that up later i'm a robot but if you go two million or six million jews were killed in a in prison camps all across the fucking european landscape robots should go oh like you should be totally <laughs> sad it's ridiculous all right i don't understand it hi hey what's happening mike schmidt 40 year old boy <laughs> podcast it's me and my friend lily hi lily hi how you doing over there? You're uh, you had a background and you longer have a background. Why'd you do? Why'd you take it off? Um, well, because I was checking the speeds, and so I'm like, I'm gonna take everything off that is uh not needed necessarily. So that's one of the things I got rid of on my end when we were doing the little test to see because we got a little bit of a delay today, and I was concerned we did. about you, that. Your voice was doing. It sounded like it was through a flange. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's funny. This will be very specific. If if even one person knows what I'm talking about. I'm lucky, but there's a movie called Creep Show, uh, and in the in it's in segments. There's scary segments, right? And in the third segment, there's an actor named E. G. Marshall, who's a famous actor and voiceover guy, and he plays a germ freak, 
who lives in a, a rooftop penthouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hates bugs. He hates all terrible germs. All right. He hates them all. I'm, I'm well, going to stop you. I have, I have to stop you for a Super. moment. I have to stop you, and then I'll let you keep yes. telling the story. Turn your right. video off. You'll still be able to see me, but turn your video off because I got a little bit of a delay, and that's the last thing I can do to make sure that your speed is moving okay. And you can leave all this in. Do you know how to turn your video off? Just click your stop video. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this, this again, we're, we're pushing words through a pipe. And if we get rid of the video, I think we're going to have no problems with your words. And I don't want your words to drop out because you're hilarious. So tell me again about Creepshow because I loved this movie. This is one of my favorite movies as far as horror goes. Well, well, now we have to address this. The, the, the video nonsense is because last week, you had a wonderful idea and you were like, Hey, what if you put the video up on Patreon for people? And I said, well, we'll put it to a vote. And I, and I, and everybody who voted, believe it or not, uh, would really like the video on Patreon. So I was going to advance to you this week that not this week, because we haven't talked about it yet, but next week we would debut the Patreon, the, the Patreon, whatever we do on zoom, will go on Patreon for people. And uh, now I, you're like, turn your video off, ugly. You couldn't possibly be seen by human eyes. Okay, this is hilarious. Turn your video back on. And here's why. Oh, it right, didn't right. make a goddamn fucking difference. So really? I don't know what the problem is. Uh, Other than you're on Spectrum, I'm on Frontier, and they do not want to play. All right, so what is this doing to the listener right now? Is my They're point. laughing hysterically because we're having a technical audio, and they are waiting for you to explode because something went wrong. Well, another thing, people were very kind, like uh, uh, Jeremy, who is a good guy, and a bunch of other people who wrote me and said, hey, man, that microphone thing didn't bother us. Like, whatever yeah, happened, yeah. we were mad about. Right. But if it happens every week, uh, then it becomes a uh, a crutch where we have to go, oh, it's the, time, it's the time when Mike's mad at the microphone. We don't fucking want that. Um, but my point is, is this, is this taking away from the person's audio experience? Like right now you said there's a delay. Well, no, what happened was you went and yeah, and then you started talking again because you got that little echoey thing that I think you're going to talk to me about, about creep show. Yeah. In, in that film, in the final segment, E.G. Marshall gets a visit at his rooftop penthouse from a guy who's the, uh, I guess the building superintendent, I suppose. And they talk through a speaker, but the speaker has an effect on it. So it's like, if you've ever, I'll tell you this, this is another thing. You ever have those like, long, it's not a pool noodle, but it's a plastic thing. And when you spin it over your head, it goes, it makes a noise. Yeah, it's yeah. a wobbler, yeah. And if you talk through it, you also, and you spin it, it sounds really funky. Well, in Creepshow, there's a part where he goes, do it now. And it's like, and it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. There's a, a strange effect on his voice. And you had that on, on your microphone when you were talking. And it's like, your voice was doing that. And now you're telling me that I have a delay. And uh, it, it's not a delay. It's a it's a it's a it's a glitch in the system where all of a sudden the words go bloop, and then they catch back up because a ghost because in the machine, a ghost in the machine. You, you do. You have a ghost in the machine. And, and you know what? It's just going to happen. It, it's going to happen sometimes because technology is not perfect. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. I, I, I couldn't possibly. I, I don't. What do I do I have to just go individually to people's fucking houses and make them laugh from now on? What the fuck do I have to do to make this medium work again for me? I, I don't fucking well, understand it. We could record it live in my backyard. 
I mean, that, yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea until a fucking marmoset leaps into your fucking face, and then we got to re- scramble, got to take him off and beat him to death with a shovel. Which, by the way, good. That's good content. Clearly, hey, did you see Mike beat that marmoset to death with a shovel? <laughs> I didn't see that. You know why? Because there was a fucking delay. <laughs> and what It'll is hilarious up. is, as you did that, it happened again. Of course, <laughs> you scream fucking delay. It's hilarious. Uh. I, here's the thing we just have to deal with the life of it i want i just let's just stop no and, and, absolutely know, do, not i do the show here by myself and stuff and that's fine i can't i can't i can't give out inferior garbage product i can't if, and if my voice is all fucked up and people are hearing it and, and my voice even drops and again look this is a show about verbiage and language and humor and timing and if, <laughs> if you're if i'm dropping out on punchlines and there's shit that's not happening you can't do that lily you can't yeah Okay, so I don't know what's causing it today. It could be. Did it do it again during that rant? It just did, yes, which made me laugh hysterically, but you are going to be furious with. Yeah, so I'm out. So I'll tell you what, I love you. You're nice to be here. Let me restart it and see if the connection is better when we restart. Let's do that. Let's, I'm going to just in a minute, join back to the same room. Okay. All right, but save this audio because this course. is going in the show either way as an explainer or whatever yes. the fuck. Yeah, I, of course. And you must, we must preserve my brilliance at all times. So please <laughs> save right. whatever you've recorded. Let me reconnect and see if we can solve this problem. <laughs> all right, let's try this again. Let's right. just try it again. I think we may have just had a shit connection on that last one. All right, but you, you have to tell me. I will tell you if it starts to drop again. Well, you just dropped completely. Hello? I just lost Mike complete. Mike, please come back. Please come back. I'm texting him. Oh, please come back to the Zoom. I am now texting him. Please come back to the Zoom. He dropped out of the Zoom completely. I think we are having some problems with connectivity on his end. So let's see what happens. Wouldn't it be funny if you just put this out, just this silence? I am still recording. Um, That is very funny that you just fell out of the room. Well, it's not funny, but it's funny. You there? I think Mike Schmidt is having connectivity problems. What Uh, happened? uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I did not storm out of the room. No, I I figure you got dropped off somehow. Well, all right, because when you record, it gives you a note, and it's like the guy is the, the person, the host is recording the meeting. Uh, and it's, it gives you two choices. It says leave meeting and got it. <laughs> and so usually you just click got it. You're like, whatever. So I don't know what, I just wasn't thinking. And it was just, just said, it was like, is that okay with you? And I just hit leave meeting. And that's when I, I disappeared because I was in the middle of a sentence. I wouldn't leave in the middle of a sentence. Why would I deprive people of what I was saying? Cause it was oh probably my God. great. That was hilarious. Okay. So we're still recording and I just, uh, hummed a few bars while I texted you. So I'm glad you're back. Let me ask you this. How the fuck <laughs> have we done this for seven weeks and done it fine? Everything's fine. And this is the week that everything is a house of cards. Like, I don't fucking get it. Well, 
the world is falling apart out there. And I yes. think it just finally reached us. But this is the only thing that should make sense. Even if the world is falling <laughs> apart, we should we should be the Christian Slaters and pumping up the volume and just sitting here in a closet somewhere and everybody hears us pirate radio style. Like that's the that's the plan. Did this you see the new kids? You see the new kids in the hall on Amazon? I did. Yes. That sketch with Dave Foley running the fucking yes. pop electric radio station. Jesus Christ, dude. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Beautiful. And uh, and so and then I was like, that's my future. I envision that. Now, I, I don't know if I'll be all gussied up uh, like a lady, but I'll certainly be broadcasting <laughs> to people about stuff and wolven children and, and fights and things. I'd happily do that with the one song. Ding, 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 ding. I got a brand new pair of roller skates. I loved it. I loved um, it, too. So I don't understand why uh, everything has worked for weeks. And, and again, except for you dropping out audio wise. And I've been fine because I'm really good at this. Uh, but now uh, this is the week where everything is just kind of fucking gone kind of Scotsy, and I, I don't care for that, quite frankly. Well, here's what I will tell you. We have been reconnected now for just a couple minutes and have not had one problem at all. So I think I think going out and restarting everything fixed it all. Look at this. Just leaving the room and coming back. Sometimes you just got to go take that five second walk around the block air and and uh, let it all. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, sure. But there there are no problems now. I still have that seven minutes if you want them. I have the opening of this where I'm by myself after you stormed out. Mm. <laughs> don't recall that happening. But we're here uh, and it's good and it sounds great and you're not dropping it all right now and I'm not dropping it all and the world is a happy place other than people dying in Iran in a and a hurricane and I still don't have the right to bodily autonomy. But other than that, things are great. Listen, Matt, I don't know what you're seeing about Iran, but I haven't seen anybody die in Iran. What are you talking about? You don't know what's going on over there? I've heard, but then I heard everything was fine. It's Iran, actually. I was corrected when someone told me if I pronounced it Iran, I should shut the fuck up. No, stop your nonsense. I, I don't know. But I mean, I, again, I know it started out weird and uh, with a lot of involuntary haircuts and such, but then... Uh, the government assures me that everything's okay over there and they've turned off the Instagram and the internet to make sure that I, I realize that everything's okay. And I believe them. I, I, I what, let me ask you this. I'm, I've been on this planet, uh, five and a half decades. Uh-huh. When has the government of Iran ever lied to me? <laughs> I should not be laughing at that. So that I'm not, hard. I look at why would I sell them out? I mean, yeah. I, they've, they've done right by me up to this point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it be the Shah, whether it be the Ayatollah, whether it be the other Ayatollah, whether it be this new gentleman who perhaps might also be an Ayatollah, which I'm starting to think is a title rather than a guy. Like when I was a kid, it was like, holy fuck, the Ayatollah. It's like, that guy's mean. I thought it was like Rick. You know what I mean? I thought maybe in Iran it was like a name. Hey, man, what's up, Ayatollah? Like, it was his total this name. But then they had another Ayatollah. I'm like, well, look, they can't keep electing guys named Ayatollah. This seems fucking weird. It almost seems like there's some sort of conspiracy in place to just elect ayatollahs over here and then the third guy comes along he's another ayatollah i'm like what are the fucking odds man and then i think to myself it's like the distinguished gentleman when eddie murphy ran for congress under the name of a dead guy and then got elected nobody we voted for a black guy what the fuck so that's it if you're just if you're named ayatollahs over there so if you're let me ask you this if you're an iranian or iranian family how are you not naming your kid ayatollah the second he pops out because you're like yeah no that's the guy clearly he is destined for greatness this is the guy who will hold office in the future uh, I just thought it was a common name. And again, as I've mentioned, uh, all of these Ayatollahs in succession and before them, the Shah who, who fled, uh, but I will say this, by the way, uh, my Iran came on my radar screen with the Shah. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, the shy had cancer. He needed treatment. He came to America, but it turned out maybe he also wanted to escape a lot of guys with daggers. You know what I mean? It was something like that. <laughs> possible. So, somehow there was a bunch of guys who, uh, who wore uh, very different, different clothing from the Shah because the Shah was dressed like Matt Helm. I don't know if you ever saw the Shah. <laughs> like everything i see him he's in a white tuxedo with a pocket square he looks great he's got a beautiful wife she's fucking amazingly gorgeous <laughs> dripping in jewels and granted i don't know maybe it was from the blood of the children i don't fucking know all i know is the shot and then uh, iran you ever see you ever watch godfather 2 and you're like god cuba looked fun cuba was awesome <laughs> why the fuck did we do this to cuba it looks like they were having a good time and then all of a sudden there's like a guy with a bomb and a guy with a beard and that's it that's it. you know what that's it bomb and a beard Changes Bomb your country. <laughs> Bombing a beard changes your fucking country. Having her on too. Shaw didn't have a beard. Shaw was clean shaven, looking good, hot wife. Again, walking in like a secret agent, looking fucking good. And then all of a sudden, bombing a beard shows up. Adios. And now people are in prisons and the internet's off. The internet wasn't even invented when the Shaw was around, and they still turned it off, those fuckheads. <laughs> they got ahead of it. They were way ahead of it. They're like, hey, anybody invent that internet yet? Turn it off. Uh, so I've seen, again, so you keep saying that there's some sort of disturbance. There's some issues. <laughs> That's what I, I, that was the story in the beginning, but I've heard they've hashed it out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think they, I think they've done something, but hashed is not the word. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we, regardless, as I've mentioned, I don't, I don't think the government of Iran is invested in fooling us or telling us fibs. So I'm <laughs> going to, I've, until, until Instagram is back up. Uh, I'm going to trust in them and everything that they've got going on. I, I look, and it, maybe it's just me. If if you've got a thousand guys in pith helmets with batons, your opinion's going to hold sway with me. I'm going to listen to you. In the beginning, I certainly hope it's not the case because again, there's four students with rocks jumping on the fucking trunk of a car, and then all of a sudden, a fucking battalion is dispatched. What a f- dude. What the fuck, man? It's always that. It's always like these students in the Persian Spring are having an uprising and it's beautiful. And oh my gosh, we can see these ladies' heads. Oh my God, what's that coming over the horizon? Turn the internet off. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? This world is awful, man. And and you know, when you compare that to January 6th, where those idiots went in with spears and and all of this attitude and live streamed the whole fucking thing. Yeah. I'm like the, the th- brazen ignorance of America. <laughs> but then they were allowed to walk out. Just well, like, yeah. like, hey, guys, we're closing. Hey, guys, we got to <laughs> shut it down here. We got to put the velvet ropes away and, and we'd close the windows if you hadn't smashed them all. But everyone needs to get out of here <laughs> right now. We've we've got to we've got to tidy up for tomorrow's succession of Congress. Dude, I don't even that fucking all it's. I don't understand any of it. I don't, I see, I, I saw a picture of Trump on a golf cart drinking out of a bottle of water, like with a straw. And I'm like, you, you, that's your guy. That's yeah. your guy. That's like going, you know, who's going to fucking, you know what I am? I will do it. I will lay down my life and I will fucking die in battle for HR puff and stuff. That's what I will do. <laughs> oh God. I mean, it's just some big swollen oh, fuckhead. I can't unsee that. Bad Sarah, I'm being serious. Like that's your fucking dude. That's your guy. That's your fake foe. And I look. This has been something I've harped on forever, and I've talked about. I know. I just don't look. Whether people have fallen under his spell and they they feel that they're scared of the past going away and being replaced. All I I understand the motivations. I don't understand the leader. I don't understand how he he was given the sword and told to go th- across to Valley Forge when all he would do is want to stop for sandwiches and where, ask where the sunscreen was. I mean, he would, he would have no, he's a, he's a fop. 
He's a he's a galoot. Why the fuck are you walking behind this this human pillowcase? Why is you invested everything in that fucking guy? And and the January six guys are all like, yeah, fuck, we're gonna fucking take that dude. Because again, they, and they always find a martyr. That Ashley Babbitt chick. Oh God. Ashley Babbitt comes in now. now look, films herself. Because again, th- th- this is like you just said. They're all fuckheads. They all film themselves, but like, yeah, you fuck. A storm is coming. Here we go. I, I saddle up the truck. I've got I've got four sandwiches <laughs> in here. I got as many bullets as I got sandwiches, and they all got your name on them. You're either gonna get hit with a fucking uh, a hollow point or an egg salad. Step in the way of my fucking truck. They're all pissed, right? So then they film it all, and then they post it for days. The storm is coming, and when yep. we go one, we go all finger in the air. Let's do this. And then Ashley Babbitt shows up, and she's. I don't think I'm out of line when I say that she is ravenously angry. Like yes. she is standing on a chair, like clutching and grabbing as if she's trying to escape a serial killer's well. You know what I mean? She's like, when, when fucking uh, uh, Catherine Martin sees the fingernail in the well of game. That's what I thought of with Ashley yeah. Abbott. Cause she's literally clawing at wood, like trying to get, trying to get at Congress, like trying to get at these guys. She's so fucking brainwashed. And and then the window smashes and she's like, and then another thing, storm is coming. And then just fucking takes one right in the grill pow, and goes down. And, and this always happens. This always fucking happens. She gets shot and she goes down and they're like, there was no call for that. How yep. dare you? She was a patriot and you killed her. It's like, no, nah, dude, dude, dude. She's, she's tunneling into your fucking house like that movie with the guy who lived in the walls and, and was spying on people. What the fuck is that? Martin, whatever the fuck that movie was. Oh, that was freaky. Yeah, right. And he lived in the Ooh, walls. Yes. And see everybody. yes. You know what I mean? But that but that's what she's doing. She's she's clearly she's drooling. This person is drooling. She's so angry. And uh and look, I, I guarantee you, go out go out to your go out of your house. One of you fucking gun-toting hillbillies with your fucking cast iron skillet hanging off your belt and your fucking coonskin hat. Walk out to your dumpster. You see anything out there drooling, you're shooting it. You're fucking shooting it. So you can't blame this Congress dude for just the, whatever the fuck he was, a guard, a cop, whoever he was. I don't care if he's a fucking passerby. You see that chick fucking Nicholson her way through the bathroom door, red, like Shelly Duvall, you shoot her in the fucking face. You just fucking end it. But then they go, the thing is, they're like, they'll do this. They, they do this all the fucking time. You pussies, you fucking pussies, you pussies, you fucking pussies, you fucking pussies, you pussies, you guys are pussies. You are fucking pussies. Fuck your feelings, pussies. You're such pussies. You're so many fucking pussies. I can't believe you, you pussies. And then you go, hey, man, you should probably shouldn't call me a pussy. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> what are you talking? You just called me a pussy a hundred times, you fuck. Oh, my God, you used the F word. What are you talking about? I, I just knocked my camera off my computer. I Fuck, dude. That's the thing. Like I said, I, I can't because I'll get explosively mad about it and I don't want to because I don't understand how it got so stupid. That's what I don't fucking understand. How is it all so stupid? How how do they get to like go, hey, man, you know, we want abortion. Let's totally get abortion. It's going to be fucking awesome. No more babies in your stomach. Uh, no more hangers pulling babies out of your stomach. You, no more abortions. You got to carry the babies and then they're going to grow up to be in the army. It's going to be great. Or they're going to work serving sandwiches because we're rich and you're not. So have these fucking yep. babies. We say it. And then they're like, for fucking, what, 40 years, no more fucking, 50 years, no more, no more abortions. You're not going to have, it. everybody has to have a baby. Everybody has a baby. Ha ha, we're going to do it. And then, uh, all right, Supreme Court says, all right, you know what? You're right, man. No more abortions. And then they go, well, we didn't mean it. Oh, I, I, <laughs> because now all of the guys running are like, 
yeah, no, 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 we, we, you misunderstood us. It's like, no, no, fuck you. Cause again, you, you held that carrot on that fucking stick for 50 fucking years. And finally, finally the fucking, the mule grabbed it. And then you went, oh no, 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 you're not supposed to eat the fucking carrot. You know why they're pissed. You know why they're backing away from this. Well, because 60% of the country doesn't agree with them for real. They can't raise money on it anymore. Yes. They can't go out there it. and say, we're going to save your rights and we're going to, and they can't, they are, they are so fucked and scared right now because the money has shut off. And even, even the rich people who wanted it now have it. And they're just like, I have to spend any more money on this. That, well, that's, that's exactly it. Is, it. It is a nightmare for the Republican Party right now because they have no one to hate but themselves. And and, you know, when you asked why do they follow him? It's because there are, in my opinion, there are two kinds of people to follow. Someone that you idolize because you want to be them or someone who can fuck people over who you relate to. Because you either are aspiring to be something great or you are seeking vengeance. And Trump is vengeance. He is not a leader. He's just, but, he, but again, vengeance is tough and scary. He's just a fucking goof. That's he, the thing I don't understand. Like, look, if they found a Mussolini, if they found an Il Duce with the fucking the military uniform and the fucking backwards wave and the fucking face, I'd be almost like, I get the appeal of a strong man. I don't like it, but I mean, I understand if you want to rally behind one. But instead, this this fucking nickel and dime fucking hotel salesman, that's your fucking guy? Everybody thinks he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and got rich and he's the American dream and he <laughs> looks just like me. And they have bought that stupid fucking story. And but it they, drives me crazy. But I, I, I don't think anybody really believes it. Everybody, like, they might ignore it. They might have heard it and they no, the rich it, but... people, the rich people ignored it. It's the poor people who can see themselves as... I want to be gold well, gilded toilet rich someday. And if well, he can do it, he looks like me and I can do it. And it's, it is the biggest <laughs> grift in the game. It is so gross. They've done it for, for centuries. They, I, I, I read, you know, because unfortunately I went, and by the way, getting to your, not just on your abortion point. Yes. They can't raise money because people will fund your cause. They will not reward your result. Nope. Not at all. So now they, they pay you as if you're in the chase, but when the race is over, they're not going to come and go, here's more money for your fucking car. No, the chase is over, man. Put the cars away. We won. Uh, and nobody will give you money and, and for it, winning. That's what they think. And it's funny because they accuse the Democratic Party of raising money on the back of Black Lives Matter and all of that. We were actually fighting for rights. They are fighting against rights and power in a way that is so fucking dehumanizing. It's not funny. Again, I don't mean to get political, and I'm sorry to throw you into all of this. The world just sucks right now. Did anything good happen? Well, like, but uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I, I could, I could vent about this for two hours, but I don't have the thing is, it's not interesting because there's no result. There's no, if there was, your story should have an ending, whether a good or a bad. Now, first of all, this story's in progress. So there's no ending, but also the ending that I see is not going to be a good one, and it doesn't make me want to talk about how great it's. I'm like, I, I <laughs> I've I've talked about it on here many times. To to see the death of a uh, of a of a style a lifestyle or or a, a system of government. I I don't know. I forgot the fucking phrase even. To see it happen in real time is is 
kind yes. of astonishing because we've just always been told, oh, well, you know, you just always thought, well, it's America melting pot. We'll do this, whatever. And people sometimes just squabbles and bullshit and stuff. Um, but then, like I said, you if you really look at it and you peel the onion on it, you're like, well, it's a terrible place. Kind of always has been. You know, it's it's been people have been subjugated and done all this, but you've been distracted yeah. with breads and circuses. And I mean, we can you can say all of those things. But also, like I said, there's no there's no there there. You know, I got to I got to Gertrude Stein this because I'm, I don't have any solutions. And and people out there, if you if you if you know this is happening, like uh, when we say, why do they support him? They support him because, like you said, everybody wants everybody thinks they're going to be rich someday. Yeah. And so that's why they always be like, oh, my God, they're coming for us. They're going to come for you, too. And so people also oh, the reading I did was all the way back to fucking slavery. And when slavery ended, they were like, we're fucked. Yeah, we got to figure out what to do here. So what they did then is they invented sharecropping and they convinced <laughs> these, these white people to work their land for a small parcel of that land because now the black people are out there to take your jobs and they're going to fucking put you guys on, the, on, the, on the, the scrap heap and you're going to get forgotten about. And so join us. We're like you. We're white just like you. So let's join us and, and let these new free black people try to figure it out while you work our land and we'll give you a little parcel of land. And so the white people were more than happy to indentured servitude themselves for a shack because it meant that black guys didn't get another chance. And, and you're reading it and you're just like, wow, God, nothing's changed. Like nothing's changed at all. It's fucking crazy. And then the Pinkertons became the police and they stopped chasing slaves and they started instead arresting black people for breaking laws that they created in order to put them in prisons to exploit them legally. I This country is built on the blood of everyone and it is horrid. How was your weekend? Pretty, I had a pretty good sandwich yesterday that <laughs> good, was really good. good. Good, I'm glad. From where? <laughs> this look, this country invented the hot dog. So I, I will I, I, look balance there. Yes, built on the black on the back of blacks and slaves and and the blood of the poor. Yep. Versus hot dogs. And again, I I like a good hot dog. I don't want people to be exploited. I certainly don't want the poor to have to go ahead and and fritter their life away and join a military that's just fighting endless wars. But at the same time. Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dogs are delicious. I agree. Love them. Big fan. So again, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Clearly, <laughs> it's an even trade. So I have to, you know, it's a hard decision. You have to sit down and be like, fuck, I absolutely, this country's been involved in, in all sorts of monkey shines that it shouldn't have been involved in at all. And yet, and yet, and yet, the bacon wrap hot dog. Although that's more of a, you know what? That's more of a Sonoran conceit, I should say. That was them. You know, that's that's these strangers. These, you know what? Where would we be without immigrants? Because we would be eating plain hot dogs in a white bun. But then the immigrants came along and said, you know what we do? We wrap bacon on it because we're fucking Sonoran or whatever the fuck. And everybody's like, aye, aye, perfect. I love this. Let's put a little pico on there, a little pico de gallo. Let's get a bunch of fucking, let's, you know what? Let's get a bunch of carts and take over this town. We just sell death dogs after every event. Where would we be without the death dog? We'd be finished. And because of the, it's because of an immigrant. They took it to that next level. Was your but hot dog a death dog? I did not get a death dog. This oh, time, no. thank But God. I do love a hot thank dog. Goodness. You know what? I don't, uh, there's no good hot dog around me. Cash rules everything around me, certainly. But there's no a good <laughs> hot dog around me. There's a place called Dog House. Yes. Uh, with a U because they are very, very hip. <laughs> uh, 
Now, if you're going to call yourself dog how house 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 house, dog of, house. Do- house. house of dog, uh, you should go ahead and have, I, I, I think, a better selection of dog, because they <laughs> they have you know, they got your regulars, then they got your death dog, then they got like a you know a, a, you know the pico favorite, or all the same shit, and you're just like eh, and then also they they're supposed to char them or they cook they don't cook them right. I'm not a fan of the doghouse, is what I will say. I'm to not you. either. You know why, too? Uh, for some reason, they have, it's supposed to be fancy because it's like an upper scale uh, fast food joint. Uh, your voice gone completely, completely. I said, who wants a fancy hot dog? Here you go. Uh, well, like I just said, I do, I do enjoy a fancy hot dog. I got no issue with a fancy hot dog. Um, I, I went out last night. Oh, my goodness. I had, uh, I, uh, I had a buddy in town. Uh, well, first of all, I went, all right, let's, I, went out, <laughs> I went out last night to a, uh, to a comedy show. Which is like, what? But yes, because I think I may have mentioned uh, weeks ago that I wanted to see a guy named Chris Fleming. Uh, I just discovered him via the pandemic. He was just a different kind of cat. I didn't know what he was or where he was from, but he was selling out theaters, even though he was not to- not on TV as far as I knew. Like, I knew nothing about this guy, but I started to watch his stuff. And, I, and the thing I liked about him, and I, this is going to sound such onanism here on the podcast, uh, I saw a lot of what I do in what he does. Because he is very extemporaneous and he he has a Pardo vibe too, where it's just like you don't know what he's going to say next, kind of. And, and he was very quick on stage and I dug it. And But also he was tremendously silly and I liked that. He was just just odd. And I, he's he dresses like Mark Bolin, you know what I mean? Where I'm just, he just looks like he walked out of T-Rex or something. He's got kind of a shaggy <laughs> hair and he wears these funky clothes and like boots. He's got, but it's like, it's like hipster style fashion, I suppose. But then he'll make fun of it for ten minutes, knowing fully well that he, he like last night he came out wearing what looked like a twister mat for a shirt, or no, and, and then the pants had like looked like someone had someone had hung a uh, a yellow blanket and thrown tomatoes at it. Like it was just, and it didn't match. I don't think whatever the fuck. But he just came out, and you, he knew, and he just goes, uh, "How do you like my new pajamas?" And uh, and everybody, of course, they cheered up Rory because he's he's at that level. Where whatever he does, they're gonna they're going with him, which is which I found you know I enjoyed it online because yeah. all these people would retweet him from Instagram and he's doing silly, again silly riffs about Pomeranians and people are like it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life and I, and but like I said they trust him so they'll go with him wherever and I I, I wanted to see it live, uh, and I think I I mentioned on here he was here and I didn't get the tickets at Dynasty Typewriter and then he did a benefit show with fucking Lorraine Newman's kid the the one from Hacks. Uh, I don't remember her name. The yes, which yeah. I was shocked when I found out that was Lorraine Newman's kid, and I was like, "No wonder! No wonder!" Crazy? Yes. Oh um, God, I love funny. I love funny people. So yeah, so she had a benefit, but then those tickets were 130 bucks. Oof! I was like, "Well, I can't pull that off." And then just last week, uh, the Elysian Theater. I follow them on Instagram, and they announced they were like, "Hey, Chris Fleming here, one night only next week." And I was like, fuck. So I, I zoomed quick and I got one ticket for myself because um, I know nobody I know is going to want to go see him. I would have asked you, but I know you can't go in public and you don't want to and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to see him with somebody, though, to be able to go to, to just go see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, so I went. Uh, so I got my own ticket and then it sold out. He sold out again at the Elysian. And I was like, he's just again, he sells out big theaters in the East. So I was there last night. He came out. And uh, he's just, 
he's just funny. I see. That's the thing is it's like, I just, I just want to see funny. You know what I mean? I, I don't need a message. Like I'm, all right, I'm, uh, I, never mind. I can't go into this, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I really, I, I wanted to see Cause I, I saw, I'll just say this. All right. I'll say this. I, I was watching uh, Netflix last week. I was streaming movies. I was looking for something to watch. Did you see the movie Cyrano? Uh, with, yes, yes, I did. With Peter Dinklage? Yes. Okay. And then Haley Bennett. And uh, I had heard it was good. Yes. And so I was on my list and I was like, you know what? I'll watch that. I haven't seen it in a musical. I said, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. And uh, I watched it on like Saturday night. And then I was gonna I was gonna tweet about it, and then I forgot I couldn't until Sunday because I cried so much I turned into dust, so I couldn't operate my telephone. Uh, Cyrano was it was incredible, and I don't know how Dinklage didn't win or get nominated because he's so amazingly good in it. I can see by your face you disagree with my uh, uh, how I feel about Cyrano. I I don't disagree. I I don't disagree that it was extremely good. Um, but I did not enjoy it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's funny. And that's, yeah. One, that, yeah. Pardo did that one time. Like he saw, oh, brother, we're out there at the theater. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I go, hey, how was it? He goes, you know what? It's really funny the whole way through. And I can't say I liked it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if I liked it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I, I saw it and I fucking love it. Um, it but yeah. It, I, it was it was beautiful and hard to watch and all of the things that make me go that is the reason that people want to become artists is to tell stories like this but it is so sad all right well let's well let's talk about that for a second let's unpack it because i know the legend of cyrano via yeah. via the zeitgeist and via things we've, via we've Roxanne. seen yeah well all right, i was about to get to that the, but the main calling card i have for for cyrano is roxanne so, but I knew of the story itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know about the, you know, the, the balcony scene is always famous and he's falling in love with her. You know, he's loves her and he, he's whatever you, we get it. Yes. And then in Roxanne, you see it and it's done. I, I <laughs> that's my main yes. touchstone for Roxanne for, uh, for, for Cyrano. Yeah. And it's lighthearted and breezy and fun. And, uh, <laughs> and Steve Martin is though pained not destroyed yes like he's he's he maintains a stiff upper lip there's a comedic crew around him bill Irwin is in it and uh and and it all plays funny even though there is pathos and uh and then everything works out for everybody and it's like yay that's great in roxanne yes it's it's done as a comedic tragedy it is it is done lighthearted and fun to make us feel better about the fact that the world is a terrible place. <laughs> but then but then he all right, I'm not in Roxanne, like I said, there's a happy ending. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that is my touchstone with Rox with Cyrano. Yes. I don't know I know the all of the things. I know the balcony scene. I know he's writing the letters and the one guy, the good looking guy is giving them to the hot girl and he loves her really. It's a, it's like a a poly relationship, but the, but the one dude is not involved. He has no, he's just, he's in it, but he's not in it. Everything. He's got everything in, at, at stake except his dick. I mean, like his heart is fully in it, but he's getting nothing. So then I watched this one with Dinklage and it's, first of all, Dinklage again, should win everything ever. Yes. He's, he's incredible. Phenom- and it's funny because yeah. I almost went, you know, who's in it? Space pants because the, you ever seen the, you ever seen space pants? Space when we're done, pants? when we're done, you're watching it. I may <laughs> no, even I- make you watch it with me. It was a sketch on Saturday Night Live. 
and it's the stupidest thing. They go for a business meeting to a like a to a fucking like a restaurant, and they're all wearing. Then they're like, "Hey, man," you know, and, they're, and they're talking. And then Dinklage comes out in like a fucking silver yes. suit. And he goes, "Yes, face pants," and he does this song, yes. and it's like yes. he commits to it like fully. It is yeah. so fucking great. Space pants is so great. So I, I do now. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I'm just saying he's one of those dudes who fucking yeah. commits. Now, and I've never seen Game of Thrones. I heard he's fucking astonishing in it. Well, you need to start watching that immediately from episode one right he's won, now. He's won two Emmys and, and, and all that. But I'm, but for Cyrano, he should have been nominated for an Oscar. He absolutely should have been. So the movie's unfolding and, and it's this, it's the, all the same beats. I love her, but uh, oh, wait, I can't tell her. Dude, that, that scene in the bakery when she asks to have a meeting right in the beginning of the movie, she's like, I have to talk to you. And she goes, I'm in love and I can't tell. I haven't told him yet. And, I don't, and he's the, all the hope on his face. And then when he, she says the guy's name and you see his soul just fly out the window but he's still smiling. Like you can totally, it's all eyes and you can see he's broken. And yeah. then because any, then she says like, promise me, he'll write me and he, or promise me you'll protect him. And he goes, I can refuse you nothing. And you're just like, Oh, I'm, I have goosebumps now. Cause it's so ter- devastatingly sad. And then as the movie progresses, uh, still sad. And then as the movie continues to progress, I'm like, well, all right, I'm waiting for the speech uh, in the in the restaurant and when everybody enjoys Cyrano's company. And uh, and then when the girl finally realizes, oh, yeah, Cyrano's the guy, this is going to be fucking awesome. And uh, let's just say that the writers of Roxanne took some liberties with the story of Cyrano. <laughs> <laughs> and it is crushing. Like, I, it was not because I'm in a weird spot in my life now anyway. Again, I'm 55 and I'm wheeling completely willing to admit that where my where I am in life and what I've done in my choices now reflects in the way I enjoy entertainment and art. Yes. So I will see certain movies and I can see myself in in movies or I can see a situation and I have enormous empathy for characters who maybe may, may not be empathetic uh or I just find myself admiring the beauty of performances so much that I'll cry or I'll choke up because someone is so good and and the desire is within me to have been a successful artist and realizing that I missed it will overwhelm me in a way where I will see people accomplishing the thing that you wish you were doing. And it brings home all of the mistakes you made and you're willing to fall apart watching it. I want to argue with you here. (laughs) Okay. Because as you sit here today, doing what it is that you do, you are a successful artist. It may not be monetarily or at the level you want, but doing what you love and having the freedom to do that is a successful artist in my book. You're correct. I I won't argue with you. And you're right. It's my, it's my flaw. Uh, Because I also don't want to tell the people who've invested in me that I am an unsuccessful artist because they'll be like, what the fuck are we listening to you for that? Yeah. You're you're not, you wanted a different level. Well, I, I wanted more and more and more and more, and I never yeah. worked for it, and I understand that. And, and, and I inevitably get the, hey, man, Rodney Dangerfield wasn't famous until he was 42. And I'm like, well, that was 13 years ago. Good luck. Hey, man, you know, Louis Black, it took him a while. And I'm like, yep, I'm 10 years older than Louis Black is when he hit. So I don't want to hear about the, oh, you know what? It's still on the horizon. Could it be? Who knows? Because here's another thing. That bouncer gig, no dice. Fell through. It just, it, it, turned, it turned into exactly the chaotic environment that I did not want. Good. Like they, the thing is where like, I, I told you, I want to be a scheduled guy. I don't want you to call me at three and go, we need you at four. I don't want, and none of that bullshit, but also even worse, like it, it's, uh, <laughs> how do I, it's, it's not even bad. I've never heard from them. Yeah. I, I have a go between who I talk to and he's just like, look, man, 
things are really weird over there now because of this and this and this and this. And I'm like, this is exactly what I don't fucking want. Dodged a bullet. As little as I don't want to get punched in the face anymore. (laughs) Even less do I want to deal with corporate bullshit and people quitting in the middle of shifts and people not knowing what, you know, I mean, none of that. I got no interest in any of that bullshit. I look, I'm not, I didn't like Ubering. I didn't like Ubering, but it was by myself with, I drove around and listened to fucking music all night. And I could have food in the car and I could drink uh, water and I, I was my own boss. And eventually, yeah, somebody would throw up and I'd want to fucking punch a hole through their rib cage. But I was still at the end of the day, I was the fucking boss and I could decide to go home if I wanted. I could do whatever the fuck. And nobody, you know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't. And I could drive during the day when there's very few drunk vomiters around if I wanted to. I could make that <laughs> So at the very least, I was my own <laughs> boss, regardless of all the other fuckery around it. But, but so this, so the Bonson gig fell through. So, so I'm like in my brain, I'm not even joking. I started looking into fucking background extra shit. Yeah. And I'm like, cause I'm union and it's like 190 bucks a day. And I'm like, I can go fucking eat a Twix bar on a set for fucking eight hours and get 190. I'll do that. You know what I mean? But the problem is I'm like a big dude who's different looking like they're look when they're casting background, they're like, Hey, find that six, two, three forty guy, get that guy. <laughs> and the guy who shaves his head on the side, get him. Nobody will notice him in the background of our scene where Nicholas Cage is wearing an overcoat. God damn. <laughs> your eyes will not be drawn off to the ogre. Who's ready to fucking thrash someone at any moment. Look at that guy holding up a wall. Is that guy? Holy shit. Did that guy walk out of a wrestling ring? Why is he in the background? Is he going to attack Nicholas Cage? He must be a heavy Jesus Christ. No, they don't want that. So I now have to try to go like, oh, do I have to look like a normal fucking idiot? I don't know. Because I'm I'm scrambling, man. I'm not gonna lie. I I got all sorts of shit where I'm trying to figure stuff out and money and whatever the fuck. Where were we? Where were we? Oh, Roxanne Cyrano. So so Cyrano, this this is not a joke, man. Saturday night I'm watching. I was gonna watch two movies, and I watched Cyrano, and it ended. And I watched the credits. My eyes were burning. I was. I mean, I was physically affected by this film because my eyes and my face were were, and my heart. I was just like, oh my. God, I felt like like when I saw Les Miserables, yeah. the the and the movie. Everybody tells me there's other piece, you know, other productions of it that I should see that are much more devastating. But the movie with Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway and fuck a Russell Crowe, I I I said I watched it and a deer kicked in a door and came in and started licking my face. That's how much I was crying. It, I I couldn't. I was so devastated. It's like when I watch Boys in the Hood, and it and and the fucking. Ricky dies and you're like literally five guys die because one guy stepped on a guy's shoes. You're just, it's the most senseless fucking, it just yeah. waylaid me in the theater. So I watched Cyrano and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to watch another fucking movie. How am I going to recover from that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I either, cause there's only one thing you can do. You can either sink lower, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or you try to find some, the, watch the music man and go, all right, well, we got, they, oh, you think you got trouble right there in river city? Have you heard what happened to Cyrano? <laughs> Oh man! All right, that starts with C, and that rhymes with me. And I'm sitting here fucking devastated after watching that movie. Fuck your seventy-six trombones. <laughs> so I'm like, what can you? What could possibly pull me out of the depths? So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? With something I haven't done in a long time. I wanted to watch a comedy special. I'm like, I'll watch a stand-up thing because I haven't watched. I don't watch stand-up, but I have so many to watch. Like I asked my buddy Jimmy Pardo. I go, Jimmy, who's the funniest guy right now? Who's the guy I have to see? And he goes. Nate Bargatze's really fucking good. And I was like, all right, so that's that's a guy I got to check out. Because we all think Brian Regan's the funniest guy in the world at the at the clubs and shit like that. I saw him live. He's fucking amazing. Um, but but 
so Nate Bargatze mm-hmm. has his couple of specials. Kyle Kinane is extremely funny. He's fucking Kyle's great. Funny. He's got some specials out there. Uh, John Mulaney, I've never seen his specials, but I think John is extremely funny. I don't give a shit about his wife and his baby and Olivia Munn. I don't give a fuck about any of that. On stage is what I'm watching. I'm not watching him be a, a, a shitbag in real time. I'm watching him be funny on a stage. So get off my dick. I'm so this, this thing. <laughs> I'm, Get I'm, off I'm, my dick. I'm just getting ahead of it because everybody's just like, well, how can you possibly quantify his behavior? I can't. I can watch a guy be funny on stage for an hour. That's what I can do. Um, his, his, <laughs> his, his bit about playing uh, the song over and over and over again is truly one of the funniest things I've ever heard. It's, so, yeah. Well, it's, it's incredibly funny, but it's also it makes me mad because, again, I told do you remember when I told that yeah. story on here? Yes. When Lenny and I were on the road and I was mad he was with a chick. So I played Is She Really Going Out With Him by Joe Jackson 10 times on the fucking mm-hmm. jukebox at lunch uh on because it was fucking it's the same exact story yeah but i but but i did it in real life and i told that story here like by year two whatever the fuck yeah um and i'm not mad because his no, version, I, it's I, so unbelievably funny it again i don't even believe it happened it's written too doesn't, well doesn't matter. and it doesn't matter because oh, yeah. it's written so well and that's that's why i'm like it's it's just it it is a great piece so he's yes a genius. he's a genius he's so, a I mean, genius I, and so an awful like, person it happens a lot I don't think he's an awful person, and here's why. Ah, uh, well. Well, look, you're talking about a guy who, I, literally, I was married and then wound up cheating on my wife with somebody I met through this fucking show. So, I mean, it's like, I, I can't sit here and be like, uh, I can't judge anybody because I did the same fucking thing that he did. He's like, oh, you know what? And also, he was a wife guy. That's another thing. Like, this happened yesterday with the Try Guys. You ever see those ass fucks? They're these <sighs> YouTube dudes. And, like, because look, at, literally, they were on my Discovery Plus. It was like, the Try Guys eat fucking chow mein. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck these idiots are. And you got to try to eat chow mein, open, insert chow, chew mein. The end. Done. <laughs> Fucking do it. That's how you eat chow mein. Nobody's trying. Uh, but it turns out they're YouTube guys who are like, I'm going to try to wear women's underwear. I'm going to try to put a wear a shoulder holster. I'm going to try to wash a plate. You know, whatever the fuck. Dumb fucks. And then everybody likes them because they're cool. But now one of them banged somebody who's not his wife. And his whole fucking existence, besides being the guy who was willing to try a can opener, was I love my wife. And so yep. now everybody's like, hey, man, you must not have really loved your wife if you fucked the mail handler or whoever the fuck he banged. But at the same time, you know, if you, again, listen to the beginning of the show, the first three years of the show, I was like, because I told Karen when I started the show, I go, look, you're the hero in every story. You know this. I, I wouldn't do this if I wasn't. I'm not going to make you look dumb or bad, but I'm going to say everything that has happened. And then she was like, I'm in. And then, uh, you know, I wound up, unfortunately, uh, five years later, I was because, again, I love Remember, I, I would tell a story. I, go, I love my wife. But then da, 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 and then it turns out I, I'm just as much a fucking terrible person as everybody else. So I can't can I them. can I tell you a secret? Oh, goodness. There was always something that I saw right after I love my wife that was never said out loud. Well, I, I did love her. I know, look, you knew because you knew. As I friends. love my wife, but we don't belong together is what leads to cheating. Yes, but I stayed because yes. I, and I stole her fucking life. It's my fault. I don't I think you stole her. I, I don't think you stole her life. I don't think you stole her life. I'm not saying you're a perfect person. I will None of us are perfect pe- people, but but you don't get to wear all of it. You just don't. That's fine. I, but I'm saying like when people yeah. talk about this Try Guy guy or whatever, or, or John Mulaney, they're like, oh my God, he had a hot wife. He had a beautiful wife and they, they everybody invested in them because he was, he always was like, I love her artwork, her art gallery show. I love, he made it, he was a wife guy. And then he banged Olivia Munn and had a baby like a month after he divorced his wife. And everybody's like, this guy's a liar. And it's like, yeah, but have you seen Olivia Munn? <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying. 
But like, have you ever seen those fucking nude pictures? You are pictures not of, helping yourself in this story. Have you ever seen those nude pictures of Olivia Munn when she wrote to Chris Pine and she's like, these holes belong to you and this fucking- No, I didn't because fucking... I don't look at non-consensual porn. This wasn't, she released it. She put it out on her Instagram. She put the photo out on her Instagram? Maybe not. I don't know. It makes yeah, my story no, I better. Don't, I don't think so. <laughs> if it makes my case, yes, she released those. Didn't you see that? Oh my God. By the way, do you know that right now in the state of California, if you send me a dick pic unsolicited, I can now sue you for up to $30,000 per photo. I love America. I got news for you. If you saw my dick, would you think I had (laughs) $30,000? Doesn't matter. Let's bury these people in debt. Well, you've seen, unfortunately, yeah, you've made the mistake of seeing picture 30. I I did see picture 31. I know. But then again, my tits are out on the internet, So, yeah. but but mine are out there consensually. I got your tits in a spyglass right here on my desk. <laughs> That's very true. You can you can also buy them right now at uh, burlesque.com. So go. anyway. <laughs> so anyway, the point so is, anyway. I, so I didn't watch Mulaney, not, but not for any reason that of that where people are like, yeah, good for you. You didn't watch him because he was mean. It's like, no, I didn't. I just, I picked somebody else. <laughs> so I watched another special because I, I was looking because I have, like I said, Mulaney, I haven't seen the new Burr, all these different ones. I don't watch, I don't watch comedy specials. Truthfully, because A, uh, I'm mad at myself because I never worked hard enough to try to get one, and I'm jealous. I'm just, I won't lie. It's the truth. You've done 9,000 comedy specials. I do a two, I do a two to three hour comedy album every week. Uh-huh. Yes, that's, that's right. But it doesn't matter. It's not on Netflix, and it's two hours. And, and it does matter in the context of the people who like it. Yes, I'm just saying, though, when I see somebody doing a live stand-up thing, because I was on that path, and then I fucking just didn't work hard enough. I, whatever. You so, know you can still do it if you want to. I don't know if you heard about Lewis Black. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, have you heard? Have you heard? He, he was old too. He was old and a failure, like just like you. Uh, I get that all the time. All right. So, uh, so anyway, so I, I said, all right. You know what? I'm going to watch this particular special. I was like, because I there was one that I was like, you know what? I I have it locked. I have it loaded. I'm going to watch it, and I, I I went ahead and threw it on. Hmm. And it's, it's fucking terrible. And like, I, I watched it and it was one of those things where I was like, man, I wonder if I should stop watching this. Like, cause it's bad, but I can't, my tiny brain will not let me stop watching things. Oh, you're out. Uh, you're, I no, I just want to, this is the guy Pardo recommended to listen no, 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 to. No, no, no. I didn't watch. Oh, no, okay. Not, I'm okay. Not sa- I'm not saying who this person is. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. I'm not because okay. uh, there's, there's a chance mm-hmm. I'll run into them at some point. Perhaps we have mutual friends. Perhaps I know these people. I'm not, I can't say anything, <laughs> but I watched the special and I, and I was like, I mean, at the 20 minute mark, I, I'm going, oh man. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> it's an hour long. And this, let, let's put it the way. This special should have come in an envelope. <laughs> because if they had mailed it in any harder, I would have had to pay return postage. <laughs> I was shocked. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I can't and won't say uh, oh. who she, who she, or who they, this person was. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, oh man. And I was, and I was, I was angry too because I went, here's, because here's the thing. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, and I'm not fishing for compliments and I'm not looking to be pulled out of the void. I'm yeah. a nobody. All right. And it's my own fault. I did not work hard enough. You're not a nobody. But, but stop, stop. stop. But, but I'm saying, but then when you see someone who has 
a, a, an arena full of people who love them and they give that kind of half-hearted stilted performance you you, you you're just mad at them because you're mad because you're like like when i so so you're the point is i i'm mad at me too because i'm like this person got away with this and you know <laughs> i mean and look and if, if she wants to do or if they want to do this <laughs> regardless that's fine good for I'm them going, i'm gonna go look some things oh, up while we're talking well, i didn't say where i streamed it i didn't say where i watched it i didn't say anything um you know it, it, it i agree with you though it because you have to have the audience that you connect with and they just may not have been your type of comic but in the past they have been that's but my people point. change, but people change. People well, people leave their clear... wives and have a baby, and their <laughs> comedy is no longer about I love my wife. It's about you know what it's like being a father, and then the next thing you know, they're Jim Gaffigan. Well, but then but then even worse, you know, this is after Cyrano. I'm looking for a fucking life raft. <laughs> I should have gone the, in reverse and gone the other route because I'll tell you this: I got I got that streaming app that has like literally every channel in the world, and I don't I like I don't want to get into it, but I do for some reason, and it also has movies on demand. Mm-hmm. So like I've, I've I've watched a ton of movies on demand that I hadn't seen or movies that that are new like they're in, they're in, still in the theater. So uh, I found out because I, I was sorting through the movies because I'm looking. You know what movie they don't have though? The one fucking movie they don't have, and I'm not even joking. Sicario. It's the one I've never seen Sicario, but they have Sicario two. They have some bullshit called Americans in Sicario. You know what's funny <laughs> to me? It's called American Sicario. It stars Danny Trejo because there's always those movies for that were made right for Redbox. Yeah. Remember when you were a kid and there'd be some like, you know, it's it's like the, this is E.T., but then wait a minute, the Wish version of E.T. is Mac and me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of the same. <laughs> wait, an what? alien in a wagon. <laughs> but he likes Skittles and he likes peanut butter pieces, whatever the fuck. So, so that's the thing. So now on my TV now there's Moonfall, which was yeah. a big budget. Yeah. Okay, but there's also Moon Crash, which is the same thing about the, the something crashes into the moon and a piece of the moon falls off and it's headed toward America or whatever the fuck. And then there's something called moon shot. And it's about guys who have to go refix the moon because it's doing again. And, and they're all the same kind of box, the same kind of character. And I'm like, this is just to fool people into watching yes. people who don't remember Moonfall's name. It's terrible. And they're all lined up next to one another. You know, you're like, fuck. So, but you know, what, you know cereal. What, so it didn't have Sicario. Right. But you know what, you know what it had? Cause it has like crime. And then it has action and drama, thriller, comedy, documentaries. It has all these different categories. But then it had some category called, you know, non-categories or whatever. Then it also had something called Wale, W-A-L-A-Y. And I'm like, is that in some fucking weird language? I don't know. So I clipped on Wale. I'm like, well, there's got to be some interesting stuff under Wale. Do you know what they have for streaming on my fucking this service? No. Sallow, The 100 Days of Sodom. Do you know what that is? No. Maybe, but I don't remember it. Well, let's put it this way. Like, if I had, if I had wanted to, if, if I was watching Cyrano and afterwards I was like, fuck, that was terrible. I should cheer myself up. No, let's see how bleak we can possibly be. <laughs> you would dial up Sallow, the 100 days of Sodom. It is, it is essentially, because I, when I heard about it, I was like, it's like, do you know what a Serbian film is? Yes. You do? Yes. Where the guy has sex with a baby and then vomits in his wife's pussy like all the all the and it's a movie it's an actual movie and okay so i don't again i I have no interest in ever seeing it but when i heard about it i was like what the fuck yeah so sallow is is that oh well i'm out i don't it's a, yeah it's a show where it's like i guess it's all these italian aristocrats and diplomats take um like 50 
kids from the village, like, and they're all like 18, of oh, course, because you can't do other. And yeah. they do, and it's a lot of, I mean, it's bad. Like, I mean, it's when I was reading the description, I was like, it's, it's, there's coprophagia, there's, there's, you know, no. there's, you know, homosexuality, there's rape, there's this, there's that, all these different things with these kids. Uh, there's, there, look, I, and I think not only do they nail someone's scrotum to a board, I think they nail someone else's scrotum to a board. I think, I think it happens twice. I, I, which, by the way, I want to be on set when the director does the nailing a scrotum to the board and goes, we got to run that back. Oh, that was oh. awesome. All right, oh. let's go. Line up the scrotums. Oh, so I, uh, but I did not know that was streaming on my thing. But, I, but again, I, it's one of those things where there, it's a running joke with people who are like, it's almost like, hey, you got to see it because it's this experience. No. And I'm like, no, never, no. No, thank you. I don't. I don't want to. Did you do Faces of Death when you were younger? I did. Yeah, I. Did watch, I but here's yeah. the thing: Faces of Faces of Death. Even as a kid, you knew it was fake. Like the person getting eaten by the alligator is fake. It's it's because it's just all of a sudden a person falls in a swamp. They show an alligator. Then they show the alligator with with the coat in its mouth and blood in the water. Like there's no. You never see anything happen. But the stuff that's real in Faces of Death is awful. And and you don't want anything to do with it. The the monkeys again. It's it's literally that is that's one of the worst things I ever saw in my life. And you're just like this is a real thing. I, I want to say that when I when I rented Faces of Death with my friends and we were watching it, I realized at that moment as I looked around the room and I went, Yeah, I I do have to judge my friends by their actions and things that they find interesting at this point. <laughs> um, because. I've until that point i was like eh, do what you want to do you know you vote for women and you know you know i was i was going for like all of the things that made society be, be better but when i watched faces of death i kind of looked around the room and went you know i have to be very specific about things that i don't like and people that <laughs> i want to judge at this point because it was it was just awful it was, it it was awful. and and i a lot of times we'll start a movie and go yeah this is there I, these are subjects i dalmer is that way i'm like not a chance i'm going to watch that i watched the first like 10 minutes and I went, nope, nope, not going to do it. I love Evan as an actor. I hear the rest of the performances are amazing, but I don't need trauma porn in my life. You love Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, there, there just comes a point where I was like, you know, silence of the lambs really pushed a lot of things, but it was, well, it was gonna, again, you're... it was Alfred Hitchcock, not fucking yeah. blood and gore reality. Well, I, you know, when I was a kid, again, we watched Ugh. Faces of Death. We, I watched Faces of Death. And, but, but getting to Dahmer real quick. Yeah. Ne boy, Netflix really wants you to watch it, don't they? Yes, they do. They, they keep, it's funny because they're like, it's, the, it's literally their, their number one downloaded show ever besides Stranger Things. Number one most watched show besides Stranger Things. And, uh, and I'm like, well, part of me is like, well, again, that's because every time you turn on Netflix, his face is staring at you and it starts playing automatically the trailer. And they're like, play yeah. now, play now. I'm like, I don't, because I'm with you. I have no interest yeah. in watching the show. Uh, there have been, I think, three movies and two documentaries already about this yeah. guy. Uh, now, I will say this. I, every, everything I've heard from everybody is that this is, it's done extremely well. I've heard it's really disturbing and yeah. gross and terrible. And I'm just like, hey, look, I... I can get that in fictional movies. Well, and, and the other thing that they say is that they really tried to bring the victims' families forward and give 
a voice to the victims, except the victims were all like, we don't want this movie made. That's and I was that's, just going to say that. Like, I didn't know if you're going to finish the point. And, yes. and that's why I went it. It's non-consensual trauma porn on top of it. And that's yeah. where I just kind of went. I, I can't. I just can't. Well, I, it's in the same vein. You know, that that Marilyn Monroe movie is coming out called. Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, I love that director. Andrew Dominic made Killing Them Softly, which is one of my favorite movies. It's fucking awesome. It's so bleak and sad. So he made this. It's uh, Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini, uh, Richard Jenkins. It's fucking awesome. James Gandolfini? Uh, that's what I said. James Gandolfini? Yeah, it's from like five years ago, seven, six years ago. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. It's one of his last projects. Okay. Um, yeah, that's right. It, it had never got. Okay, yeah. It so, took me a minute to... Yeah. So that's Andrew Dominic, the director. Well, there's an interview with Andrew Dominic, I think, for New York Magazine yesterday. And this woman is asking him these questions and she's framing them in a in an interesting way. I found her I found her line of questioning to be very enlightening, saying things like, look, you know, you're making this movie called Blonde. It's NC-17. It's about Marilyn Monroe. Um, And a lot of I know people who've seen it and they're disappointed that you didn't deal with the fact that Marilyn was very active in civil rights on behalf of Ella Fitzgerald. And she fought the studios in one control and defeated men who all thought she she thought she wasn't smart. And she actually held her ground and that, and Andrew Dominic's answer was, look, this is a movie about somebody who kills themselves. He goes, uh, so yeah, did she, is she empowered? And I suppose she is, but this is a movie about a woman who we know her tragic ending and we want to get to that. Like, it's like he had this tin ear completely to this woman's framing of you know, Marilyn was much more, and look, to his, to her credit, she was basically saying, you know, Marilyn's a lot more than what you fucking put her in this movie. Yes. You kind of hear the fuck you in the questions, because there were two questions specifically that he kind of tap danced through, and you were disappointed because you're like, if you're, if you're directing the story of her life, which I'm told is, is supposed to be almost a, uh, like a, a, a real in-depth telling of her story. Okay, we're gonna, you're going to see things you didn't see or whatever. Uh, you would know these things you would, or you would, you would care about them, but in reality, he's, is he just doing the, Hey, we're going to show her fucking boop, boop, doo and the subway great. And then happy birthday, Mr. President. And then a handful of pills. I mean, I don't, I mean, is he going to tell the story? We all know. It's, it's really hard. My, when my friend angel was having the documentary done about her Satan's angel, it's a, it's a great documentary. Um, when she was having that done, at, at the end of the filming, she split with her partner. And so there's like this entire film about the two of them together. And then there's like this one screen about Angel now lives in da 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 with such and such. And, and Vic is living in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> that's kind of how I look at all of these things is it's 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 what you focus on and the time and energy that you put into it. And people are so complex and yeah, he wanted to tell the story of a tragic heroine rather than the downfall of the two yeah. parts of who she was as a human. It's horrible. Well, he, he even says, well, we're not dealing with her whole life here. We're dealing yeah, with this. We're and, dealing with the one thing. And, but and I remember I did because I knew you were tight with, with Satan's Angel and she was yeah. your great friend. And and then I watched the documentary and I because you know, she was your friend, but we didn't really go yeah. into detail about it. I knew of your friendship, but I got to admit when that ended at, and that placard came up i was shocked because i did not know that satan's angel had started dating olivia munn (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, have you seen her photos? That she <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Well, no, I don't watch any non-consensual porn from someone named Satan's I, I, Angel. <laughs> I think mm. most of hers was consensual. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it again. You're telling a story, and you're telling the part of the story that you want to tell. Yeah. It's it's horrible. So I watched the stand-up special, and it was it was. <laughs> They just left me. I, I I was shocked by it. And I was like, all right, what a drag. So then I saw Chris Fleming yesterday and uh and he did this sometimes when you use this word it can be a pejorative, but I don't mean it as such. He was effortless in his hour and uh ha- hour and a half that he did. And he had slides on his phone and he would bring them up and they, he makes up dumb songs like these ridiculous. And I say dumb in a nice, funny way because they're simplistic, just, silly. Well, the fun. reason the reason I ever first, I ever he first came out, he had a video that went viral for Sick Jan. And Sick Jan was his uh, she did his taxes. And so then he wrote a song about her and and it is so silly. It's very um, he's very emo Phillips and oh, very. Nice. Kind of, but it was like it's like if Emo, Emo Phillips and Pee Wee Herman, but also Mitch Hedberg, and and then I would say someone like a Pardo, like it, because of his fast, quick crowd stuff and his w- ability to talk and relate. Because I will tell you this too: another thing, he's he's a young person. He's I'm I'm assuming he's I would guess that he's probably thirty three. Is how I would guess how old Chris is. I, which I I would hope he would not hear that guess because if I'm wrong, he would. He would <laughs> Very sad because he referenced because he, he on stage last night he'd, be, he'd go he'd go as a fifty year old man and then the whole crowd would explode laughing because they clearly he's not and uh, and then he would go eh, I don't you laughed a little too hard at that you know, he'd do that silly <laughs> yeah. thing but then he kept saying he would say it like three or four times but then he mentioned about something about mid thirties or whatever but also his references are very they're like he met, he said names of people that I did not know who they were and it would get a huge laugh just because of him saying them and they're like. They're fashion people, or they're online people, or they're housewives people. I don't even know. And people would, and pe- these, this young, it was a really young crowd. And he also got, I, I say this online, like he got a ton. Uh, he had a ton of female fans, like all of everybody on his Instagram who kept repeating and like retweet, and he would share their stories. <laughs> they were they were women, they were young women, and they were just they would talk about how incredibly funny he was and all this stuff. And he he mentioned it last night. He did. He said something, and he goes, and someone said. They were married. He goes, who's married? Who has a wife? I am not for wives. I am not for men with wives. He goes, I'm here for theater kids. I'm here for anybody who, you know, I'm the Pied Piper of the chorus class. And he he skips across the stage. Just, it just so, he was effortlessly funny. And I, and unfortunately, I will say this about two thirds of the way through the show, about an hour, hour, 50 minutes in to his hour. and, And I mean, he was killing me. I was crying. I was laughing hard. And he said something specifically that I could not stop laughing at. And I, I have a distinctive laugh and I, I was letting myself go. Cause I was like, yeah, sometimes I'll watch comics and I'll go, well, I would have done this or you could do this, or this is a different way. And I was doing some of that analyzing, but it was just, he was just a fun performer. He was so great. And his material was, was really funny. Um, but then he did this bit and I, I could not stop laughing. I was laughing and laughing and it kind of calmed down and he was standing to the like to, with his side to the audience and he kind of peered over his shoulder at me and i couldn't i still couldn't stop laughing i was in the back row even i was trying to be <laughs> as fucking out of the way 
And uh, and he looked at me and he just kind of like nodded and kind of smiled. And then he went, ha, 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 ha. And then he <laughs> pretended he was on a horse and he rode around the stage going, la, ha, ha, la, ha, ha. And I felt terrible. Like, I was like, oh, no, did I, you know, because I, I don't want to be part of it, you know? And because and, and, then he goes, he goes, I just, he goes, he goes, I live in terror of fake laughs. He goes, and anytime there's a prominent laugh in the room, I immediately think it's fake. Like I just, I go that way. And, yeah. then, he, and then he did the horse thing again. Ha, 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 ha. And then somebody on the other side of the room laughed hard at that. And he goes, don't you start. Because <laughs> I got this over here. I don't need you involved, E6, because he had called him. And it was, it was just great. I mean, he was just great. But I, but I did not laugh out loud the rest of the show on purpose because I felt I didn't want to be that. And I didn't want him to think it was fake. Even the very hint that he would think I was faking. Yeah. Like, why would I pay 20 bucks in a sold out room to come in and fake laugh at you? I mean, I, I wanted to, I was dying because you were fucking hysterical. (laughs) He does this. He has a very Mitch Hedberg thing that he does. And it's not even material or comedy or anything. It's his laugh. He'll do a bit and then he'll go. (laughs) And and, And the grin is it's very headbreak. Like I was like, I, I got goosebumps the first time he did it and he does it the whole show. He'll do something and be like, huh? And, and he'll laugh at something silly. And man, he, he, he showed a clip. It was the stupidest clip. And again, it's the stupidest clip, but when a guy shows it, you, it was a clip of it. It's a DVD of Peter Gabriel on stage. Cause he did this bit about the Tarzan soundtrack with Phil Collins. It's I'm going to do the bit because it made me laugh so hard. He goes, Phil Collins, he goes, he did the Tarzan soundtrack. He goes, you know, that was a mistake. He goes, I'm guaranteeing you the Disney people reached out to Phil Collins to do the voice of an antelope. <laughs> and then somehow Phil Collins misunderstood. And then he did, he did the two executives and he goes, uh, hey, Phil Collins. He goes, oh, did he bring by a, a, an audition tape for the antelope? He goes, he did not. He brought us 10 fully orchestrated songs. <laughs> giving us the entire story arc of the Tarzan film. <laughs> So now these guys who just wanted a voice of an antelope have now turned over the entire emotional arc of this film, Phil Collins, and they can't tell him no. And, and then he plays the song. He plays the songs, and you're just like, it's. And he does, he lip synced it. I can't even imagine. So, but then he's like, yeah. He goes, but he goes, Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel. He goes, they're just uncles in a band. It's like so weird because Genesis was an uncle band. He goes, and then there's this clip. He goes, I find a clip of Peter Gabriel. He goes, this is. He goes, this is. If you're ever, you know, the people talk about when you're when you're having sex. And if you're, you're going to, you're going to go too fast. And they always say, you know, think of your grandma, think of baseball, whatever. He goes, I'm giving you right now, I'm giving you the tools that will forever help you with this. It will fix it. And uh, he goes, this clip is, is Peter Gabriel. Uh, he's singing Salisbury Hill. And for and absolutely no reason this happens. And he presses play and it's a real clip. And it's theater in the round. And Peter Gabriel's dan, 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 Salisbury Hill. And then he gets on a bicycle and he rides it around the <laughs> the stage and we're and and we're i'm it's so stupid on its own yes you're dying but then the fact that he pointed it out you're you're is so great because i would have never found it or known it and he goes watch he goes you're like no that's not that's not even he goes that's that's bad he goes even because the best part he goes and he's talking over the clip because the crowd's not even into it he goes you look they're just kind of like eh, eh. And uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, they're clapping. And then he goes, and he goes, but watch, 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 watch this, watch, watch. And Peter Gabriel rides it around, dent, dent. He does like three laps, and then he stops. He gets off the bicycle. He goes, da da He gets back in the bicycle, rides it counterclockwise the other way. 
can't. I, the place explodes because it's like you're not. We weren't expecting that, and it's, it's just he's literally just pointing out the clip, and he goes, "But wait, but oh my god, but no, but then, but then wait, this happens, this happens. Hold on, and he freezes it, and he goes, "The bass player," because the bass player is like kind of like do, doing a dance, and Gabriel goes on the bicycle, and he goes behind the bass player, and he goes, "No," and it freezes, and he goes, "The eclipse of the bass player. It was foretold." <laughs> And then the prophecy is here and he shows like crows leaving trees and an expl- stock footage of explosions. It, it was fucking hysterical, dude. And, and I mean, just fucking found any, cause he turned and he turned it into the bit about the sack, you know, if you ever, so if you're ever having sex, think of Peter Gabriel on a bicycle singing Salisbury Hill, but then the eclipse of the bass player and then the prophecy and the crows. And I'm just like, Oh, oh dude, he was so funny. And in my brain, I'm like, He's been here recently, and I'm like, he's got to be in meetings. I mean, he's got people have got to be trying to scoop him up or do something. But I also liked he was also he wasn't afraid to be kind of nasty. Like he he name checked some comics and kind of made fun of them a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he was like, this is why I don't have a special. He goes because I I, I do a show for each individual audience member. He goes, you're going to take this away, you're going to take that away. He goes, I don't have a hive mind. I'm not you know I'm not Eliza Schlesinger two in the pink. All right, where everybody's on the the same page. <laughs> He goes, I, I'm, I'm scattershot. I'm all over. And then he, and he, he name checked her. He name checked another comic. Oh, uh, I'm not a Burt Kreischer ass man where, you know, everybody in the audience feels the exact same way. He goes, that's not the way it is here. And, uh, and then he like lays down on the stage, just a comfortable performer. My God, I loved him. I was, I, I've been waiting to see him. It was, could not have been better. It was exactly what I hoped it would be. He was so great. And you want to hug him too. He's just so fucking cute and and awesome i mean he's just that guy and and again there's no he he talked to he he did i'm gonna do this i'm gonna have to do this bit he was talking about how during the pandemic he was more of an online he goes you know i had to he goes i have to get because i had to adjust my my approval to likes and clicks and he's like yeah. uh but but he knows how stupid it is because then he just goes yeah he goes uh as an internet creator, <laughs> he yells it. He's like, forget your pens and your your masterpieces with paints. I have, I I work in the milieu of the internet. It's so funny. And then he said he got a lot of Republican hate. He said because they see me, and they you know they don't know what to do with me. He goes, but if he goes, you could do that all the time. Some guys like writes me and they're like, Hey, you sissy, why don't you go with your boyfriend? He goes, I'll just, I goes, I'll skip right through the butterfly sanctuary to that kind of stuff. I don't care. You're not going to make me mad. He goes, but no way. I made fun of Lady Gaga about a year ago. Gen Z does not fuck around. No, they do not. He goes, a Republican can say a million things to me. And I'm like, la da 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 da. And he goes, one time Gen Z wrote, uh, Oh man, bestie, you look dehydrated. And he goes, oh, oh. <laughs> he lays on the stage. He's like, no, stop. Hey, bestie, you look like you get your protein from pastries. Oh no, oh, I couldn't possibly. Oh, dude, he's like, it's just whatever. Just one of the, if you get a chance and I guarantee it'll be different every time you see him, I can t- I got that vibe completely because he was all, he was just so goddamn good. He made up for, uh, for Cyrano. <laughs> yeah, it took three days, it, but it, it but it worked. It was funny. My Bob was my buddy Bob was in town, and uh, you know he was you know he was here for just he's here for three days. Uh-huh. So he wanted to go out Tuesday. Well, do you want to go to this comedy show with me? He's like, I can't. I got work. I go all right. And then he then he wrote me yesterday fucking morning. He's like, hey, I can go. And I'm like, sold out, dude. Sorry, but we made dinner <laughs> reservations. Can't help you for Fuck, hot man. dogs. Did I, you go for hot dogs? Wait, brace yourself. We want oh, to go no. to a. 
he was like, where are we going? And, uh, and he was, he was downtown and the show was near downtown. So I was like, well, we'll find a joint there. I go, but the problem is like getting stuff. I said, I don't think this show is going to be done until nine. And a lot of stuff closes at nine now. So I started looking and there was a place called all day baby, which is really good. Uh, but I, <laughs> what do they serve? Dude. Well, they, baby? Uh, like, well, they sell liquor too, but also they have like breakfast biscuits and uh, chicken sandwiches, like really good food. It's fucking amazing food. Okay. If you Google it, you see it. But now they have at night, they have a Vietnamese pop-up who's doing Vietnamese food for dinner and uh, they're open till 10. So I'm like, I'll go, I'll go have some fucking whatever the fuck these guys make glass noodles and shit. I'm in, let's do it. But then major Domo is down there. Uh, if you don't know what Major Domo is, Major Domo is David Chang's flagship restaurant here in Los Angeles. David Chang is a podcaster now of some note. He has been on the Bill Simmons show. He now has his own shows. He has a show on Netflix uh, and a show on Hulu. And I, David Chang came on my radar in 2012, maybe. Uh, when I did my show in New York, uh, he had a restaurant called Momofuku in New York. And listeners uh, i unfortunately the names escaped me but it was a, a couple brought me to momofuku and it was amazing uh so i've had his food i mean and i'm a wow. fan yeah I follow him on instagram and stuff so major domo i've never been but major domo so i'm i said i go what about this 9 15 on the patio he's like bob's like sure whatever the fuck i don't care so i went to make reservations and they have a thing they have a whole beef rib uh but you have to tell them 24 hours in advance that you want it because oh. it's like a, it's a big deal yeah uh so i didn't get to order it i was bummed but um so i go there and i meet bob and uh he's got a mai tai i don't because i no idea why and then we go to get our table and he's like he looks at me bob and i went to vegas last year too and i never really got it i never told the story uh because of you know uh the i <laughs> that was when the i was i was well but also me i was convinced nobody wanted to hear what i fucking had to say um so we we went to Vegas. He he took me to Vegas. He's like, "What are you doing in December?" And he goes, "I don't see you enough, Schmidt. We got to fucking do this." Bob, I should tell you, Bob is my friend who was Bob's a, was a comedian. I met Bob. He was a comedian. He has since become a VC guy. Uh, he's a numbers guy. He works for a, in a hedge fund or a, a VC, a venture capitalist firm, whatever. I don't know. I don't know that world. Yeah. All I know is he's really good at what he does, and he's he was he's been a numbers guy his whole life, which is so great for work. And also so unbelievably devastating because he's a, de a degenerate gambler because of it. <laughs> um, oh no! So, uh, it, not not to the point. I mean, he's he's got it to do yeah. it, but it's he's never been in trouble. But it's that thing where, like, literally, his whole family is just his his grandpa is one of the most famous athletic figures in Illinois history. Uh, he was a coach called named Gordy Gillespie, and he, he was a, a and he's just revered. He's in the high school hall of fame. He's in all these, you know, so I met Bob before I knew who Gordy was long before I even knew who Bob was. So one night when I first go back to Chicago, uh, this is in 92, maybe when I moved back from, from LA and, uh, I wind up at the comedy room to do stand up, and my buddy Jeff is with me. And, uh, I know I did look, man, it's, it's Leno's old joke. Hey man, I'm at ha ha's he he's ho ho's next week. I'm playing. Poof. Um, that's, that was a, that's where I'm playing next week. Um, so at the, Jeff goes with me to the comedy woman, it's fucking zoo night. It's like, it's open mic. So they 10 performers and I'm auditioning to get paid work. So I'm not just 
side of the clipboard. I'm yeah. there to actually do. I got recommended by somebody, and this guy Mark Schufelt ran the womb, and he was there. He tend and bar, and he was he ran the comics. I, he didn't own the space. It was above a Greek restaurant, but he just he was the god of the room, and sometimes in comedy you get the god of the room, and he's a fucking ass fuck. You'll do great, and he'll be like, yeah. uh, you know what? Call me next week, and then you call him next week, and he's like, who are you again? You're like, dude, I killed for you last week. You told me to call. I'm gonna have to see you. I haven't seen you. And no, you saw me last Tuesday. You know that that shit in comedy happens yeah. all the time. Or you get the god of the room who actually kind of cares about comedy and will watch you and is into it. And that's what you felt was. Now nice. Mark was also eminently impersonatable. Everybody in Chicago's got a shoe felt. because uh, it because essentially it was this. It was just this hang dog. Wow. Down by the world guy who had a heart of gold, but nobody knew about it because no one's going to find me in a fucking bar in Lyons. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just a super great guy. And, uh, and, he, and he would tell you, he thought you were funny. He would tell you. It was that, that kind of deal. And, he's, and he saw comedy all the fucking time. So now you're, you're flexing your neck and your back. Okay, I'm listening. All right. Well, this 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 could get long. It's going to be just a couple <laughs> stories dovetailing into one another, and I don't want you to pass out. You can lay down like Chris Fleming if you want. I'm going to do that. That works. So I go to do this thing. I, Jeff came with me because I was just back in town, so I was seeing my friends a lot. And Jeff came with me, and uh, we watched the open mics, and it was devastating how bad they were. Like, I mean, there was there was this notorious couple, uh, Diane Dooley and Dave Dooley. Uh, they weren't a couple. They were brother and sister, uh, the Dooleys. And they just showed up at every open mic, and they did their material. And and Diane was scary. Diane looked like she had riddles you needed to answer to cross a bridge. I mean, she was just kind of <laughs> kind of bent like a like a crone, and she had her jacket pulled up under her chin. Like, there were there some issues in the Dooley household. It wasn't just persona. They were bananas. <laughs> But Diane was nothing compared to David because David one time went on stage and I, I've seen tons of bad comedy. I've seen some streaming in, in some instances, but I, I've never seen anyone who made me feel like Dave Dooley did the first time I ever saw him. And I, there was, he had this real uh, one step ahead of the authorities feel to him. No, where no. you were like what is going on with this guy something is up you know and because this was the joke he did he did this joke on stage i never forgot it i don't know anything else he did except i remember how terrible it was but he did this joke he's like don't you hate it when the orderly promises you a candy bar if you suck his dick oh oh, oh, oh. and then he doesn't give it to you And I mean, look, we're all creative people. You can find humor in a Peter Gabriel CD if you want, (laughs) a DVD. But that particular grouping of words, you must have lived at some point. You, there's no, I don't, the, the deepest, darkest mind might conjure that up for some sort of script but no one's going to think, hey, this is funny. <laughs> and you know what? Write what you know. 
And if what you know is sucking off orderlies for candy bars, then you're going to bring it to the stage and think, hey, this is relatable to everybody, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't even that thing where he was pivoting to be like the, the shocking guy to make everybody go, oh, my God. Oh. I really, I felt that this was a true thing. Like, I, it, it just felt, I felt awful when I heard it. And then he just did more awfulness on top of it. But they would show up every week to do the open mic at the, at the womb. So I was waiting to go on stage. And then this guy went on stage who was, uh, he looked just like Hank Williams Jr. Down to the cowboy hat, vest, glasses, the whole deal. And so fucking Jeff and I, were, he starts doing his stand-up and it's so bad. It's just so awful that I'm, I look at Jeff and Jeff is looking at the, at the stage like, he's, like he saw a stabbing. Like he's... <laughs> He, and he doesn't know I'm looking at him. We're not making eye contact like, dude, this is awful. He's just like, oh, oh. Like he, he was trying to make sense of it. That, that's what I can explain. If you somehow <laughs> stumbled into a, a hall of madness and you were like, and it was just this Lovecraftian nightmare that you had never anticipated and you were trying to make sense of it in your, in your head and then you had some grim visage where you were just like trying to come to grips with whatever you were experiencing in that moment. That's what Jeff felt for the Hank Williams Jr. stand-up comic. Oof. And we called him Hank's WJ. We were like, Hank's WJ is fucking awful. This guy's <laughs> terrible. So he was fucking just, we were livid at how bad he was. But then Bob went on stage. I don't know Bob at the time. And also I still have my Los Angeles attitude. And, and these people are not doing anything to strip me of it because they all fucking blow. And I'm just like, fuck, <laughs> Whatever. I, I auditioned for Evening of the Improv a month ago. I fucking killed. Warren Beatty clapped for me. Gave me the thumbs up. Daryl Strawberry loved me. You fucking slobs. Uh, meanwhile, I'm, I'm just like everybody else trying to get work. So Bob goes on stage. <laughs> and Bob is uh, Bob's about a 6'2 redhead. Thin. Just, a, just whip it thin. And uh, he's holding the mic stand. And you can see he's got, he's got all this attitude bursting out of him. And he does i'm going to do his joke he's uh, he doesn't care he doesn't do it anymore but he's talking about his dad he goes my dad i'll tell you even my old man exaggerates he says the craziest shit because roger clemens had just gotten the biggest contract in the history of the major league baseball and he goes my dad calls me up he's like yeah bobby you see this roger clemens deal three million dollars a year and i said yeah daddy's the best pitcher in baseball come on three million dollars you know what i'd do for three million dollars bobby i don't know dad i don't know if i want to hear this you know what you could do? You could take a glass tube and insert it in my penis. That's what I do for $3 million. <laughs> oh, I'm talking all the way up there, Bobby. Okay, Dad, I don't think you know. And you know what? Here's the thing. You could smash it with a mallet, Bobby. <laughs> Make a glass tube, slide it all the way up my penis, and smash it with a mallet. I For $3 million, I would fucking do that. All right, Dad, I don't really, you don't need to go and tell me more of this bullshit story. You know what else I do? I'll tell you this, Bobby. You take that glass tube, you slide it up my penis, smash it with a mallet, then you can pull the shards out of my urethra with a shrimp fork. That's what I would fucking do for $3 million, Bobby. And we were, we were dying because I'm just like, it was, it was so great and different and weird. And I've never forgotten the phrase. You can pull the shards out of my throat with a shrimp fork. <laughs> Again, it's all language. Language is beautiful. It's all. And that's why I said earlier when we were, the audio is dropping out of like, yeah. the show structured on fucking language. You can't lose me. So I then, <laughs> you know, then I go up and, uh, and I, I do extremely well. I'm funny because again, folks, I'm the fucking talent. <laughs> and so Bobby and I connect and then we become friends. Like, and it's that thing where first we're, we're comedy friends, but also we can see it's that thing where again, in, in this ocean 
of garbage, you look across and you see the the light in somebody else's eyes and you're like, all right, I've got to get over there quickly. I've got to yeah. navigate. It's like the end of the old boy hallway. It's like, I got to kill all these fucking guys with this claw hammer because that girl I want to meet is right there. And, <laughs> and so Bobby and I hooked up and he's fucking hilarious. And we just, we've been friends ever since. And this is, you know, what are we looking at? 30 years. So he then, he then goes on to some success in comedy. Like he starts opening for Jimmy sometimes on the road. Uh, and then he starts headlining. He's working the bone, but, but he also has this other gig where he could make a lot of money if he, if he wound up going that route. And, uh, he had to make a decision and he, you know, he finally was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to do this, this other gig. And it's turned out very well for him. He's great. So he, he's great friends with Graham too, Graham Elwood. So he would come out here and I'd see him with Graham. We'd go to lunch on the beach or whatever and stuff. And it's just, I just love seeing him. One of the, one of the funniest, I've, I've always said on here, I'm never funnier than I am at a wake. You know, like I'm, I'm always, when I'm funny, if at a wake, I'm fucking hysterical. You know, remember we did buy book me for your wake, uh-huh. all that stuff. Well, another time that I always remember the funniest, one of the funniest times I ever was in my, my life was I got invited to Bob's place for New Year's Day to watch all the football games, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl at the time. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll come down. So he was in, he was in the city, he was in Chicago. And uh, one of Bob's best, one of Bob, Bob's best friend his whole life is a guy named Eric Richrath. And he's Gary Richrath's son, who was the guitarist in Ario Speedwagon. Oh. So he's known, he's known Eric his whole life. So Eric was there. I meet him. And I meet all of Bob's crew. All right. So I don't know these guys. And they don't know me. And Bob uh, is effusive in his praise for me. And to this day, where it's, it's almost like, hey, dude, you got to calm down. Because eventually, one of the people you tell isn't going to think I'm as funny as you think I am. <laughs> and they're going to think you're fucking bananas. That's the deal. Like, yeah. I, I didn't care so much for me because, I mean, I'll move on to the next disaster, but you have to go to work with this person. They go, you thought that guy's funny? You like that fucking guy? And then you got to deal with that the rest of your fucking life. So when he invited me to meet his friends, I was just like, eh, all right, you know, because there's comedy friends and then there's real friends. Like, Bob would have fit in with my friends. I know that because we're all fucking the UN of evil. We're nuts. But I don't know what his friends are like. So I go and I get there at like 11 o'clock in the morning and we're just, it's just food and booze and sodas and just and just a ton of people and they're all coming and going there's like 40 people you know here in and out of his place and i walk in and i start talking and i don't i don't even know how to explain it It, i have i have every perfect fucking line i say (laughs) stuff and i'm i'm crushing it and even his friends are like say stuff and then i and I top it and then I top it again and I top it again. And what it really felt like is like, you ever see martial arts movies where the master of martial arts, people are attacking him and he's just doing this. Yes. <laughs> he's waving, he's waving a hand to push them to the side. He never even engages in combat. He's just literally, he uses their own momentum and everything. It's almost like Aikido, like, and he's pushing them and shoving them on the floor, all getting out of his way. That's what it was like that day. I was, I was in the comedy matrix. I was, you could not stop me. You absolutely could not. And even, and Bob even said like, cause I, I stayed till late cause the orange bowl ran till like fucking 10 or 11 at night and I split. And the next time I saw him, he was just like, my dude, he goes, my friends were like, who the fuck was that guy? Oh my God. So like he didn't oversell me and I was very happy about that because he has oversold me in the past. And eventually someone's going to think, fuck this guy. <laughs> so it happened last night. So we go, I meet him at major domo and we're going to go to this fucking, uh, oh, so, uh, so, so fake. I didn't finish Vegas. So we went to Vegas He's like, Schmidt, I never see you. We got to fucking go to Vegas. So we went to fucking, we went to the UFC card and he bought astonishingly good tickets. 
I have to tell the story because last night he made me tell it. He's like, you got to tell the story on the air. So same deal where we go, we get a hotel. And then I, I took him to Morimoto restaurant. Uh, cause that's my deal. I like, that's my gambling. I want to yeah. go to a fucking awesome restaurant. My gambling is go to a strip club and will I get, well, my thumb fall off cause I got chlamydia of the hand. You know what I mean? We, <laughs> I said that on a previous podcast, like I strip clubs and, and food. That's what I like. And then, he, but we're old now. So strip clubs, you know, and he's got a girl and whatever. So, um, but he'll always say that dumb shit to me. He's like, Schmidt, where are the whores? <laughs> like, well, you know, buddy, I don't know if Sabrina's going to be on board with that, but good for you. Uh, but I, I go, but sadly, if you're asking, I probably know, you know, I mean, it doesn't, mean, doesn't mean I'm going to see them, but I have a general idea of where they're located. I have my WPS on at all times. So I got the phone and looked for a fucking bent over ping, uh, which, by the way, is 50 bucks extra if you get it downtown. You get the bed over ping. You got to cough up the 50. Uh, so we go to Vegas last December and we're in the hotel and we go to Morimoto for food. Now you're, you're wondering, cause Morimoto's an iron chef and I've now had flay. I've had eyes I've had all the iron chefs food. Most of them pretty much at, at their establishments. And, uh, Morimoto's was fine. It was fine. Um, it wasn't like a home run. It wasn't super yeah. great. It was exactly what I thought it would be, but I wanted it to really kill me, especially with his name on it. Cause I know that a place in New York is fucking amazing. <laughs> and the ones in Vegas are all just like carbon copies or whatever the fuck of the, what the original places that they have. And I get that. But uh, still, I was like, I was like, it's really good. He was like, you don't like it. And I go, no, it's good. It's just, I wanted it to be a fucking crazy home run. You know what I mean? Especially at Vegas prices. So we were betting fights. We were going to bet all this stuff. And the, the UFC starts at like two in the afternoon. And I go, well, we're, we're going for the whole thing, right? He goes, oh, fuck yeah, we're going, definitely. So we go, it's over across the street at the T-Mobile Arena. And uh, <laughs> we get in, we sit down. And I, look, I, I'm, I'm not, I find myself constantly qualifying who I am and what I do. And I don't want to do that anymore, but I have to. Yeah. I'm really funny. I just am. Yep. So when we sit down, it's and it's not like the kind of funny where it's like I'm being loud or I'm being a jerk and people are like, who's this fucking I'm not Chris Farley. All right. I'm not shitting off of out of a seventh floor window. You know what I mean? I'm I have a stiletto and I'm gonna carve people up. I mean, I'm just a funny dude. Sharp, quick wit, (laughs) whatever the fuck. And and I keep explaining it and almost apologizing for it. I'm fucking tired of it, quite frankly, Uh, because I don't want people to think that I'm arrogant. But at the same fucking time, my Uzi weighs a ton. I mean, what the fuck are you going to do about (laughs) it? So we're sitting there and and. uh, we're, we're goofing around and the people behind us kind of catch in and they start leading in and they're, they're laughing at what I'm saying. And what, and Bob's funny too. Bob's killing yeah. it too. We're going back and forth and our chemistry is real good. But then he, he just wants me to talk. He's like, Schmidt, just talk. I just want to hear you talk. And so I'm like babbling, whatever the fuck we're having fun. And um, there was a fighter named Ryan Hall. He was fighting. Ryan Hall is like, he's like six feet tall, but he's got like a 78 inch reach. I mean, his, he's all arms and legs. It's ridiculous. And he's a jujitsu guy. So he can't throw a punch to save his fucking life, but it doesn't matter in MMA. You got to try to get it. If he gets his hands yeah. on you, it's ridiculous. So I, we bet on him. I was like, we got to bet on Ryan Hall. He's a fucking jujitsu guy. So we bet on him and he's just smothering his opponent. Like he's just fucking arms and legs. And I look at Bob and I go, dude, that would be like fighting a gibbon. And <laughs> And he, he fucking, lo- and the guys in front of us lose it. They start laughing. And this guy turns around and goes, Gibbon? And I'm like, yeah, it's like a monkey with really long arms. And he goes, I know what it is. I can't believe you said it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob's fucking crying. He's like, the fighting a Gibbon is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. So it's that. I mean, I'm, I'm being funny and people are getting in and they're, they're leaning in and they're asking me stuff. It's just, I'm starting to get noticed in this section where everybody wants to, 
I've done it before. Like when I tried out for ABC that I did a taping goodbye year one, but it's, <laughs> I, 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 this again, I have a charisma and, and I'm funny enough to back it up and people want to listen to me and yes. be around me. It's a weird yes. thing when it happens. Uh, and so there's these, there's like these dudes four rows behind us. Cause we, by the way, also this, so we bet the fights, we bet every fight, we had parlays going, we have individual <laughs> fights. We, we were 11 and two getting to the final two fights. We destroyed, oh, Jesus. we're winning every fight. We're fucking rejoicing. We're holding our tickets up. People are like, let us see. We're showing the tickets. Fuck it. And we all, we made money. It was fucking gorgeous. We were making all this cash. So these guys sitting in front of us is this guy with his two sons. And, and there's some guys from Canada, there's like five of them and they're sitting with us and they start joking and we're joking back and forth. And then we're, we'd win a bet and they'd be like, how are you winning these bets? We go, it's just, you know, it's the day. Cause Bob, I said, degenerate gambler, he'll literally write me on the day of a UFC here. And everybody goes, who we got? Bring home some winners because he'll bet it on his phone on that DraftKings wrote the fuck. Now he's only betting 10 bucks, yeah, 10 bucks, 20 bucks now. But in Vegas, it was a little different. We were, we were, yeah. he was playing with some serious money. So but people want to know who we're betting and then like, oh, I got to I mean, run to the window and try to get it down possibly. And like, well, you'll never get across the street to the casino, dude. Well, you know, whatever. It was great. So then we get to the final, uh, the final two fights are this girl, Amanda Nunez, who is the greatest female fighter in the history of the UFC. And she's fighting Juliana Pena, who won the ultimate fighter once. Mismatch, complete mismatch. So we loaded up on Pena and uh, tons of dough. And she is, Bob's got a five handle parlay. And all that's left on it is Pena and then Chucky Olives, this guy, Charles Oliveira. He's fighting in the, in the main event against Dustin uh, po- uh, Poirot. Not Poirot. He's the fucking detective. Poirot. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a match. Oh, that's a mismatch. I'm not going to lie to you. Chucky <laughs> Olives, he's going to choke Poirot out. I don't, no mystery there to be solved. You're fucking dead, Poirot. So we're waiting. And so Amanda Nunes comes in and it's like, again, she's she's – both the 135 and 145 women's champion. Wow. The previous best fighter in the history of MMA is Cyborg. Pena knocked her, Nunez knocked her out in two minutes. Fucking destroyed her. They can't find opponents for her. And then she comes in to fight Juliana Pena and we're just like, and this is, again, it's like, that's the lock, which we were sitting in the, in the sports book beforehand. And these guys like, who you got, who you got, who you got? I go, this guy's like, what about Pena? I go, I go, uh, I go, well, Nunez is the lock of the day. I go like, you got to tie her into everything. Like there's she's not losing. Clearly, she's because she's also like a minus six favorite. So you have to 600. So yeah. you have to bet 600 to win 100. You've got to tie her into everything else in order to get any profit. I guess yeah. She's just she goes in your parlay just to fucking boost it up. That's it. But she's clearly the lock. So they take the ring and then they start fighting. And then uh, Nunez is tuning her up, just fucking burying her. And then Nunez completely gasses. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then Juliana Pena is just running. She's boxing like she's in a bar. She's throwing like bar haymakers <laughs> and they're connecting. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're a precision fighter. What the fuck are you doing? And Nunez covers up and she's gassed. She can't even fucking. And Payne is just throwing these bombs out of nowhere. The sloppiest boxing you've ever seen. And it's fucking working. And the first round ends. And I look, I look at Bob and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And they come up for the second round and Nunez fucking blasts Payne in the face. I'm like, here we fucking go. She knocked her down. Payne gets up. And then again with the sloppy boxing. Remember when they used to do foxy boxing? But it was no. two fucking topless chicks with big inflatable things. On oh, their hands? yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. And they just threw a bunch of crazy haymakers. And then it's like, I just want to see a nipple. I don't fucking care. Mm. Well, Juliana Pena went to foxy boxing school. She's throwing <laughs> punches like that. And then she fucking knocks Nunez down and gets on top of her and fucking chokes her out. And the entire arena is exploding because it is truly 
the greatest upset in the history of the UFC, other than George St. Pierre and Matt Serra. It is one of the two, you can argue both, but it is arguably the greatest upset in the history of the UFC, which is an amazing thing to celebrate and a ridiculous thing to be in the building for. Unless you've got her tied into a five-handle parlay, it's going to pay $9,000. Bob would have made $9,000 if she wins and Chucky Olives wins. And he looks at me, and I'm just, and we're and we're eleven and two. Check that. We're eleven and three. Oh man! And I I had a parlay that would have I would have won eight hundred dollars because I'm not Bob, so I don't have that kind of fucking walking around folding money. But still, I had a parlay, and she was in it, and I had a four handle, and if it would have come through, I would have won eight hundred fucking dollars. And then, of course, the main event starts, and Chucky Olives, great fight. Poye knocks him down twice. I'll, I'll, he gets up and knocks Poye down, and then he fucking chokes him out. And uh, and we win that, so we wound up twelve and three for the day, but he lost the five handle for nine grand. We were up, we still were up, yeah. But it was it was phenomenal. So we're sitting there again during the Pena fight ends, and we're talking. And uh, the guys in the front row from Canada are talking to the guy with his two sons, and they're all from out of town. And they're like, "Well, you've been seeing the town," and they and they ask us, "Where are you guys from?" Chicago, and I'm from L.A. And talking, and the one guy goes, "Oh, you won't believe this." Pulls out his phone. He goes, "Check this out," and he slides it over. He goes, "Look." He's got a picture. His sons met Chuck Liddell at the mall. He's like, look at it. And the guys from Canada are like, dude, that is beautiful. He goes, yeah, it was crazy. Like we didn't, it wasn't even like an event. We just saw him. And the guy goes, well, wait, check this out. The guy from Canada pulls out his phone and he goes, look, he goes, we went to the UFC performance center, just hanging around to see what it was like. Look at this. They met Dana White. Wow. Dana White coming out and took photos with them. Now you recall, I met Dana White in year three or year two, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck, go buy it. So they do that, and I go, dudes, wait, check this out. I take out my phone, and I slide it, and I give them my phone, and it's a picture, and it's me. And they look at it, and they go, what's this? And I go, that's just a great picture of me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the greatest ever. Because they got, they all, they die. They die. Because I go, that, I go, I go, check this out. And I had on the phone, a guy looks at it. It's just, it's literally just me. And he looks and he goes, what is it? And I go, that's just a great picture of me. <laughs> and they, there's a beat and they kind of make a face. And then they just like, <laughs> like the Cosby kids, they're all just like, Aha! and this guy, this guy goes, that might be the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, give me my phone, baby. I'm, I'm dining out on it. Give me it. I put my, but it was so, it was so clean. It was so, and Bob is fucking rolling. He goes, that's my, that's my favorite thing now. That's my new favorite thing. Schmidt, that's my new favorite thing. <laughs> that's just a great picture of me. Dude, fucking amazing. So the card ended. We fucking went back. And then we bet football all day Sunday. We just had a great time. Now, I'll tell you this. We went to an Irish pub because uh, we were hungry in the middle of the night. I'm like, let's go. Dude, I go, there's a fucking, it's 24-hour town, man. Because... I go, I don't want to eat any of these bullshit places in the fucking casino. Because we did. We also ate Nathan's hot dogs once at like 2 in the morning. I'm like, get Oh, there's a hot dog story. Uh-huh, we tied it all up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so fucking, so we went to this Irish pub and uh, we walked in. And it was, there was some, just some guys like who looked like they should be at an Irish pub. They're playing fucking darts. And uh, I wanted to eat. So I'm like, I'm looking at the menu and they had fucking mushy peas and the whole fucking thing. Fish, they had, they had all the food. And, uh. The bartender, like, we were going to go to the bar and order, but we sat at a booth and he came out. I go, dude, I would have walked up to the bar. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, no, big boy, I'm happy to come over here. And he puts his hand on my shoulder and, like, squeezes my traps. And I'm like, oh, boy. Uh, 
he he was very clearly interested and he was vibing me hard it was great uh but at the same time i you know no offense i'm not ready to jump the fence at this point um <laughs> so we ordered food and i go i go look i go i've never had a pint in a pub i go what do i what am i supposed to do and he goes well you want a guinness and i go yeah i do i go but i don't i go you're not gonna bring the can he goes no he goes we got the draft i'll, I'll pull one for you and i said great and he got me he got me a pint and had the foam, the foam or whatever. And so I'm like, I go, Bob, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And he's just, he's like, Schmidt, why'd you order it? I go, well, I, I go, I got to have a, I'm Irish. I got to have a fucking pint in a pub. I got to do this. And he goes, all right, well, he goes, no, you just, you just drink it. It's fine. And I go, all right, but is it like, but there's supposed to be a thing like with foam. I'm supposed to get foam on my face or something, right? Am I, am I supposed to do something with the head? And he goes, well, yeah, you get, when you do it, you'll get a, like a mustache or whatever. And I go, well, I got to take a photo for people. Why the fuck else did I come to an Irish pub to take a pint if I'm not going to take a photo of this fucking stuff? <laughs> so I did. I took, I took a couple of photos with just the Guinness in front of me. And I was going to post them and be like, all right, this is happening. And then the photo afterwards of the little mustache to show that I actually drank it. And people didn't think I was just posing for somebody else's pint. Because I've been a pint poser from long past. <laughs> uh, if you see me in a pub, you know that, oh, there's the pint poser. He's going to pose with the pint here. That in is pub. the name of the show, right? The pint, uh, po- pint poser from here. Let's do it. Let's write it down. Pint <laughs> poser from long past. All right, there you go. Because uh, if you see me in a pub, you're like, oh, there's the pint poser. All right. So, uh, so, so then I took the sip and then I got the awesome, you know, I'm going to make, because we're doing video, I'm going to fucking show it to you. You're going to be like, what the fuck? Although I should post it right now. Now you I should post it. You should post it. Yeah. Well, because I also did that thing last week where I talked about my gray hair and I didn't post that because nobody gives a fuck about it. I talk about this fucking show. There you go. Nice. There's that one. And there's that one. And then, oh no, hold on. Uh, and then I did Stulik. Do look. That's nice. That's sweet, right? Those are good photos, <laughs> I think. Uh, and then there was my fish and chips and mushy peas at two in the morning, and uh, it was a, it like was a it. delight. It was such a delight. I, I it like so it. Good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, so, so whatever. So I fucking I, I love Bob. How funny! Uh, <laughs> That's for you. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate you sending that. Look at us texting one another, having secrets during the show. Sure, everybody. What, what's going on over there? You'll Ooh. never know. He's going to share all of the photos, I promise. Sure, of course I am. I mean, you trust me, don't you? No. (laughs) (laughs) You don't trust the pine poster from long past? No. Uh, So so we had a brilliant time in Vegas. And then the next day he had to fly out early. I stayed. I went and had sushi by myself. And I went back to the sports book and collected all the bets I won because we won all day on football. We lost like two bets. What a a time. I mean, I I came home with like $700 when I needed it. Nice. And just from betting, it was so fucking beautiful. We had such a great time. And he's like, Schmidt, we're doing this every year. We got to fucking do this every year, Schmidt. I never fucking see you. I'm like, I'm in. I go, you tell me and I'll be ready and just tell me what we're doing. Oh, Schmidt. <laughs> so he texts oh, me, Schmidt. Schmidt. Oh, Schmidt. So then last night he's in town and we go to Major Domo and same deal like Morimoto where he's like, just order shit. I don't care. And uh, and he's, he's in my town, so I'm going to buy dinner. Uh major domo doesn't fuck around price wise like if you go on there if you go to their website there's no prices just stuff you're like i can't wait to order all this stuff uh but then when you get there there's the menu and uh (laughs) you know you see that and you're like oh well uh as i've said once before and it's a story i told i got you know you want to know where i am in my life i got sticker shock from a pie (laughs) uh so see what you missed when you weren't on the show i told that story a long time ago about a 45 dollar pie all right so i uh 
<laughs> so I, we get the menu and he's like, dude. And so the waitress comes over and Bobby is just like, it's up to him. Schmidt's running it, whatever he wants. And so I said, what do you recommend? She goes, well, I like it all. And I'm like, well, I'm not ordering all of it, but I'm going to get damn close. <laughs> and, but I'm also, I'm paying. So in my brain, I'm like, ah, fuck, but I can't skimp on my boy. But also I just, uh, I just coughed up a lot of money uh, in the last week and a half for a couple of things. And I, I'll maybe, I, I don't know if I can go into them now because you, we've talked I, a lot. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, anyway. I will listen later though. I'm sure you will. No, I'm, I'm going to bore everybody with it now. We'll talk next week, uh, possibly. All right, let me finish this then, and we'll get you out of here. Um, I'm so sorry. I don't mean I know you're, nope, you're gnarled. Fine. And I, t- you're I feel fine. terrible. And, don't feel uh, terrible. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so he's like, hey, by the way, uh, Schmidt, I've invited some uh, people from work. They might join us. I said, great. I, I don't care. Whoever he goes, yeah, he goes, there's a, a woman that, that works with me. She's really great. And a couple of guys, they're awesome. And, you know, they'll come by. And I told him you're the funniest guy in the fucking world. And so, you know, be ready for that. And I'm like, <laughs> no oh, pressure. Fucking, of course. Of course you did. <laughs> he goes, well, they think I'm funny. And I go, well, you are fucking funny. And he goes, yeah, but I don't, I don't like to say that I'm funny. Or I used to be a comic because now I do this and it looks like I, I'm bragging or I'm saying some bullshit. And I go, mom, just be Bob, man. You can't fucking put yourself in this thing where it's like, I used to be a comic and then if I'm, cause, but I do recognize that thing where like, if you're being funny and someone knows you're a comic, they think you're on. And it's yeah. like, no, kind of, this is just who I am. I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not doing this because I'm a comic. I'm a fucking comic because I can do this. I mean, I was yeah. like this when I was fucking 13 years old. I mean, I, you know, it's just, I'm a fucking idiot. So I just happened, there happens to be a job <laughs> for it. Luckily. <laughs> Does not pay what it used to, but it's out there. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, they might join us. I said, cool. So I ordered, dude, I ordered crispy potatoes. I ordered uh, a, a heirloom tomato and stone fruit salad. I ordered crispy shrimp rice, which they put a shrimp consomme on top and they toss it with a Thai, Thai fucking uh, salsa. Um, fried oxtails I, with peanuts. Fucking because it's a Korean joint. So it's yeah. a lot of Korean type fusion. Um, macaroni ziti, uh, macaroni and chickpea ziti and a miso sauce. I, I'm, we're just, I'm ordering all of it. And so then it was like, when we got to the oxtails, I ordered everything and I was like, I didn't get it on, uh, this stuff called bling. It's just a, a fucking Korean f- fluffy bread and you can get, we got honey butter with it. Whereas you could get, if you wanted, there's like fucking beef shank or whatever, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, just it was amazing it was all i'm just ordering 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 all of it and i know like i said i'm paying so i'm a little whatever uh but i don't care it's my friend and he's in town but then they have the proteins on the right hand side of the menu and they have the boiled chicken which i think was 45 dollars. wow and then they had the uh wagyu tri-tip fuck which was 81 dollars and then they had the uh <laughs> the bosom which was, uh, it's like a, it's a pork, uh, it's a Korean pork thing. And it was, that was like 130. And then it had that beef rib that you got to order 24 hours in advance. And it was 210. And it comes with a bunch of sides and shit, but like, yeah, I, but I really wanted that, that beef rib, but also it says feeds four to five people. And I'm like, that's, that's a bit much. Uh, so, but I, so I didn't order it when I set the reservations, but then when we sat down, she goes, Oh, I have to tell you, I'm really sorry. We're out of two things. We're out of uh, we're out of the, the beef rib. That's like, well, I had 24 hours to order it anyway. She goes, yeah, they say that, but if, if we have it, we'll make it for you. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I go, all right, never mind. And she laughed. 
And then uh, I said to him, I'm ordering, 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 ordering. And I go, we got to get a protein. I go, do you want oxtails or do you want uh, Wagyu tri-tip? And he goes, well, I've had Wagyu. You know, I had it in, in Japan. He goes, I've had it there. And uh, he goes, I, I don't even know what oxtails are. I go, well, oxtails are $28. And <laughs> Wagyu tri-tip is $81. And since we have eight other dishes, I think we go with the oxtails. He goes, fantastic. Uh, Schmidt, I trust you. Uh, and also, I love oxtails. I love them. And, he, and he's never had them. And I go, you're going to die. So then the parade starts. They're just, they're just bringing out food. And we, we can't eat. You know, we, we don't eat a third of it. It's all in my fridge. Because then I said, I'm like, you're taking this shit. And he goes, I gotta, I'm in a fucking hotel. You, know, you got a fridge. Don't fucking lie to me. And he's like, take it, Schmidt. Uh, and then he pays for it. And of I'm course. like, I go, yeah. you don't have to do this. He's like, fuck no. I, I'm, I'm in town. Come on, come on. Why would I do that, Schmidt? I never see you. We got to do this. I'm like, fuck. I go, I wouldn't have ordered all that fucking food if you, if I thought you were paying. He's like, yeah, you would have. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I would have probably, but still. <laughs> so uh, he goes, hey, uh, look, I don't want to put too much pressure on you. He goes, I know you've been already to a show. I don't know what you got going on. But uh, my friends, like, uh, do you want to you have a, you want to get a drink with them? Like, you know, because I, I told them how fucking great you are. I, I really want them to meet <laughs> oh, you. Oh, no. And I'm just like, eh, all right. Yeah, I go, I go, I'm fine. I go, I would love to go because, I mean, I, I like to stay out late and I never get to do it. So I go, sure, man, let's fucking do this. So we finish our food at Major Domo. We hop in the car and uh, we went to the yard house downtown because they were staying at the Marriott. <laughs> I, it's open. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's literally. It's yard house is the Denny's of bars. There's no, there's no doubt. <laughs> Clearly. Awful. I mean, I would have taken him to the powerhouse in Hollywood or whatever. <laughs> but I'm just saying, we're yeah. It's literally right next door to the Marriott. I know. And I'm I'm I, his friends can't all come to Hollywood. They're not they're not mobile. Whatever the fuck. Yeah. So we go. I go. The yard house is right by your hotel. He goes, great. We'll go in there. Whatever. So we go to the yard house, and uh, what we before we go to the yard house, we're walking out. And I have te- I, ch- I looked at my text. <laughs> I had my phone off all through dinner and through Chris's show. Like I don't I haven't even looked at my phone. So I pick it up and, uh, and I'm in a group text with a number I don't recognize. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I open it up and it's Bob. Bob has looped me in with his friends to go, hey, we're at Major Domo. We're just whatever. I didn't know I was in the group text. So then he writes, I read the text. As we're, we're walking to my car, leaving Major Domo. And uh, it says, uh, hey, guys, uh, heading to Yard House now. Uh, it'll be me and Schmidt. And you'll know, meet us you know, there just probably at the bar. FYI, he's a big dude, like 450 pounds. So don't be alarmed. What? He dresses as such. And I I look at my phone and I look at him and I go, what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, you you told your friends not to be scared of me because I'm fat? And he starts laughing and he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? I go, dude, you texted... He's a big dude, like 450 pounds. I go, first of all, you're off by 325 pounds. <laughs> no, no, three, 330 pounds. You're up by, three, you're up by 330. Um, no, not, no, three, 315, sorry. And I go, and, and, sing, and don't be alarmed. What the fuck does that even mean, dude? And I'm not mad. I'm just busting his balls because he's my friend. But I'm annoyed. Yeah. Because why the fuck do you think you need to warn your friends that I'm a, like, I'm a, and he just goes, 
He goes, what? I'm just, I was just telling him, because I, I, I also said you're an amazing writer. I go, that doesn't fucking matter. Now they think I'm just locked in an attic somewhere, <laughs> eating fucking food and getting fat while I write treatises nobody will ever fucking read. And he starts laughing. And I go, fuck you. I go, yeah, go ahead, text your friends. I go, if they don't know where we're meeting us, tell them the yard house. Just tell them to look on the horizon for a moving <laughs> fat guy who pulls up at a Toyota Camry like Godzilla. When they see the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man walking down the fucking street, maybe they can go ahead and relax and they'll realize that I'm coming. Don't be alarmed, though. Don't be scared. Up from the depths, 30 stories high, it's fucking Godzilla who's going to step on the yard house and he'll try to avoid you and he's dying he's you've got to stop i'll throw up all the food i just ate i go fuck you i'm serious i will throw up in your car and i go how could you say that to them and he just goes well i didn't it's what i just told him it's like i go i go for 450 is not even close i go i'm i'm 340 right now dude i go it's it's, you're you're off by, by 110 pounds and he's just like, I, I don't know. And I go, dude, I go, I used to weigh 500. You knew me then. I had a fucking tiny face and a sea of flesh. Do I look like that now? I got cheekbones and shit. What the fuck? And he's laughing and he's like, I'm going to throw up if you don't shut the fuck up. And I go, you deserve this. I go, what the fuck? Why would you tell your fucking yeah. head? I go, just don't throw up in my car. Lean your fucking head outside. And, uh, and then he's like, God damn it, man. I go, no, you, you literally had to warn your friends that I'm fat and they need to be prepared for that. Like what? Did they just come in and go, where's the, where's the fat guy? What the fuck <laughs> are you giving them that instructional for? And he goes, Schmidt, seriously, you got to stop. And there's a beat. And I go, well, of course, the shopping bag of Korea food that I have in my trunk probably isn't going to go ahead and declare <laughs> the story anyway. <laughs> and he starts laughing. I go, yeah, fuck me. I go, I, I go, I literally have the ribs that tipped over Fred Flintstone's car in my trunk, but they don't tip over the car because fat me's driving it. We're not going to go fucking ass up. And he's fucking crying and laughing. And I'm like, dude, I go, what is he dresses as such? I go, I have a t-shirt on and shorts. What does that even mean? I, I went, I went to a comedy show in a fucking bo- black box theater. Am I supposed to rent a tuxedo for you? You fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Schmidt. Uh, and oh then, and God. then, so then we go to the yard house and we talk and we, and we're, and it's fucking, I love hanging with Bob. He's the fucking best, <laughs> but I keep busting his balls. I'm just like, anytime anybody walks around, I'm like, I go, is that your friend? I go, because they're, they look terrified and they're trying to find the fattest guy in the bar. <laughs> fucking unbelievable. So then, then we're sitting there and he's finishing, he's drinking, we're drinking, we're talking, we're having a great conversation about his family, his son, all this cool stuff. And he's checking his phone. I go, are they, I go, are they coming, dude? And he, it was like, now it's 1215. Mm-hmm. And they close at 1230 at the yard house. And, and uh, he goes, I don't know. He goes, they're kind of, they're hemming and hawing. He goes, I, but I think, I think my, the, the woman is going to make her way over this girl, Lynette, who he works with. And I go, all right. I go, look, cause I go, honestly, I'm fading. I go, because I, I had to be up yesterday morning early for something that I was going to talk about and not going to get a chance to, because I talked about other things. <laughs> Uh, I go, and I'm, I'm just kind of, the last three days I've averaged five hours of sleep and I'm, I'm just kind of fading a bit. He goes, yeah, she'll be here. <laughs> so we're there and this woman walks up and she's lovely and, uh, and charming. And, uh, I meet her, her name's Lynette and, uh, you know, Bob, she sits in Bob's chair and we're, we just start talking about this. And she, and then I bring up, uh, I go, she goes, I, I did two laps. I can't believe you guys didn't see me. And I go, well, I said, honestly, I'm shocked that you didn't see him. I'm clearly the giant, most gigantic person in the bar. <laughs> she goes, yeah, what was that? I go, thank you, Bob. What the fuck? <laughs> and I go, yeah, why would he write that? I go, and also 450 pounds. She goes, I know, right? And she goes, and she literally puts her hand on my face. She goes, you have like, you have cheekbones and dimples like you. And I, I go, exactly, Bob. Come on, Schmidt. 
And then we wind up talking with her and she's, she's hysterical. She's great. And also she's, uh, I, I like a woman who will trade. So we're kind of, you know, like she, yeah. doesn't, you know, you can say something and she's not like, she doesn't clutch any pearls. If anything, she tops you and then she waits to see what you're going to do kind of <laughs> because, because she's not intimidated or worried or she's completely comfortable in who she is. And, and there's no, I'm a woman, you're a man or you shouldn't do it. And she was just, she was just great. So awesome. at one point, Baham said something about what if, cause there's other people from work and they go, Oh, what if he calls? And, uh, cause there's, I guess there's one guy at their work who is interested in vice. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, I, you know, I go, I, I don't know if you guys are up for that. And, uh, and he goes, well, you know, Lynette, no. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm, I'm up for whatever we're doing. And he just goes, uh, you, but not with him. She goes, if he, if he does it, where do you get it? And she goes, no, I would, there's nothing he could suggest that I wouldn't do. Oh no, no. And I, I lean forward and I go, excuse me. I go, <laughs> you serious? And she goes, Nate, you can name anything. And, uh, and so I started light cause I didn't know who I was dealing with at the time. And I was like, uh, all right, what if he wants to get you involved with one of these whores that he's looking for? And it's just a three-way. And she goes, she goes, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'd do that. I go, okay, what if he, I go, what if he just wants you two to square off while he watches? And she's just like, I, I mean, I, yeah, all right, that's fine. And I go, okay, what about this? What if he wants to film you while you're, and she goes, no, I'm out of filming. Only because it's an HR problem. No proof. I go, okay. Cause now, cause now I'm loosening it up. I'm like, all right, well, let's see how far you're willing to go with this. I go, how do you feel about throat training? <laughs> and she goes, am I training him or is he training me? I love this woman. He was amazing. She was amazing. I go, all right, what if he's an adult baby and he wants you to care for him all night? He wants you to change his diapers and feed him milk. And she just goes, oh my God. I go, I win. I won. I just won. Cause you're out, right? She goes, I didn't say I was out, but Jesus. <laughs> and it was that fun, silly back and forth conversation. And again, she was, she's lovely and she was charming, his coworker. And we were getting along great. She lives in Canada. Yeah. And then with the bar closed and a fight broke out Ooh. between, between a, uh, uh, a chubby, short uh, Asian woman and a chubby, short Latina woman. And then, uh, uh, a black dude in all cream with a Kangol hat that matched uh, comes over and he starts talking to us, like doing play by play. Like, oh man, I can't believe this. <laughs> Bob starts talking to him. We're fucking around. And they're doing, it's the worst kind of fight ever where you're just like, dude, somebody hit somebody in the fucking face. Because <laughs> it went on for six minutes. And I was like, see, this shit shouldn't go on for six minutes. Because people were breaking it up and they kept trying to get at one another. I'm like, let them go. Let's see what they do. Because if they don't really, they, they only do this because you know you're going to break it up. Let's see if they want to go round and round. Fucking bring them out on the patio and let them fucking go. Bring them on the patio. Yeah. Because they're just they were short girls and they were just it was just like, you're a bitch. No, you're a bitch. No, you're weave. No, you're weave. Whatever the fuck. Terrible. <laughs> so we leave the bar and, and I'm like, uh, I go, we done? What are we doing here? And uh Bob's like, I don't know, you want to get another over at the hotel? And I'm like, Yes. And Lynette's like, Yeah, well, I'm in. So we go to the bar was closed. I was like, fuck. So then we sit, we just sat at a table and we talked for another fucking two hours. Wow. Looking around hearing about her and her, you know, she's, she just joined their company a while ago, but she had worked with them before when she was doing another job. And she's got a daughter who lives in England. She's got a, a, another beautiful daughter here. And uh, she's just really interesting and cool. And Bob is fucking great. And, and, but Bob, he just says that thing. And he's like, Schmidt, tell her this. You got to tell her this story. You got to tell her this story. <laughs> 
So I'm telling, and she would, he'd be like, oh, you got, oh my God, tell her, tell her this story. So I'm telling, I would tell stories and it, it was fun and we were engaging. And then she found out about this show and then <laughs> she's like, why, well, you know, she goes, I would listen. She's like, why don't you send me the three best episodes, the three episodes that you think I should listen to. And I was like, all right. I go, well, unfortunately, the one that got the most notice is, was, uh, and it was one that you're probably not going to hear. And, and Bob goes, was that when your mom died? And I go, no, my divorce. I go, it just so happened that was the week The Onion reviewed my show and they heard it. And this guy literally wrote, this is the most devastating episode of a podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> and I got, I got thousands of followers the next day. <laughs> and I was so disappointed when the next week I talked about the Pied Piper for 40 minutes. <laughs> um when I when I name checked 45 80s porn stars in one episode <laughs> so and she's like well just send me the three because that sounds really amazing and and he's like well you got to do tell her the Rick James story so I told her the Rick James story at the at the bar oh yeah at the, the house of blues by year one and so then I then I got into my bouncing stories and stuff and then uh you know I told the story of when um and then he goes tell the karaoke story where I was on the road at the comedy club and the karaoke thing and and uh <laughs> And in that story, I, I wind up in a fight and then I punch myself in the face like 20 times or whatever. And, <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and then there's the story about when I did it at the House of Blues and I banged that guy's head off the fucking metal wall and he was bleeding. And then I did the same thing. I went and I punched myself in the face 20 times. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, you know, this, this woman is really, she's, uh, she's attractive, she's interesting, she's smart, and she's charming. And you warned her not to be alarmed at my appearance. <laughs> and I'm finding her interesting in all of these things I've just mentioned. And I've now told her a story about how I had to punch myself 20 times in the face to avoid incarceration. Twice. So as interesting and as charming and as fun as she is, it's not just the distance between here and Canada that would stand in the way of anything ever being consummated or tried. Because the second I was like, hey, you know, would you want to get a sandwich or dinner or a drink or go to a movie? And she'd be like, how many times will you punch yourself in the face that night? Oh. It was fantastic. I love my friend. It was great to see him. All right, how you holding up? You gotta, you gotta go put I, a heating pad on. I, I have, I have to go jump into my hot tub and see if I can get my bones to move. You do that. Oh, <laughs> your skeleton is rebelling. Uh, all right, well, I'm glad you were here. You were lovely. Tell me you exchanged numbers, please. Oh no, no, I'm yeah, uh, we didn't. Of course not. She's just a nice Aww. person, and you can't do any of that stuff. Um, but I'm just saying that even the even the thought this is this is my curse. The thought of like I was like we're getting along. She's nice and she's attractive and she seems like she thinks I'm funny and interesting. Just to, even as a friend. And and then she and then well she maybe she's in that text chain where they warned them about me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll be able to pick one of those numbers out. That's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, literally told that told two different stories. Right, to punch myself in the face. I'm like, yeah, no, this is. This is not never fucking even to hang out. She wants nothing to do with it, but it was fun to meet her and talk to her. And then just to see Bob was fucking amazing. I love him. Huge fan. Cause I don't have, you know, my, my friends here are either married or they have families or they're just broken uh, or broken like yourself. They're not, Bob's a guy. Yeah. I, I you know what I mean? Like, you know, like I, none of my other friends be like, where's the horse? We got to find the horse, dude. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? And he doesn't mean it, but just the very yeah. fact that he'd say it and you're like, well, you could pull that off. And I, I love it. You know, he's, and he's, again, he, he'll have a fucking highball and tell fucking dumb stories. And, and it's just, I, I don't, this, this was something funny when Charlie Murphy did, uh, was talking on about Rick James on his, on the Chappelle stories. I can't use the phrase that he used, but he was describing Rick James when he met him and he said he was mad N word ish. Yeah. Which meant that he was a rough and tumble fucking dude. Yeah. And Charlie Murphy was like, I like that. Cause he was hanging around with a lot of Hollywood fucking guys from Eddie Murphy or whatever. And he liked a guy who was kind of street, kind of rough, kind of ballsy. And, uh, Bob has that in him and it brings that out of me, like kind of yeah. that, 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 that Chicago that I don't, that doesn't show up a lot. Cause I mean, I can be, you know, I can be anything you want me to be, but at, at my as a Southside Irish Chicago land guy is exactly who I am. And, and so when I'm with him, it's, it's fun because you kind of get to, to be that. And also that doesn't hurt that he literally thinks I'm the funniest person he's ever met. And he wants to hear all of my stories a hundred times. So, which is fine with me. I, I guess, believe me when you find that, that's all you need when you get old, you got to find someone who just doesn't mind hearing your same stories a hundred fucking times. And I know Bob's one. And I can only hope that anybody out there listening is on that club as well. Uh, all right, go in your hot tub and soak. And thank you for giving me this time. And I need both of these audio tracks from you when you get it. Of course. It is always a pleasure to chat with you. All right. Love uh, you. And I'm glad you're okay. What does that mean? In what, in what context? In what context am I okay? The vi- the pictures you put on Facebook scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that next week. All right. Because <laughs> this all went away. All right. Yep. All right. We'll talk soon.